right, here we go. Friday, February 18th, 2022. How are you guys doing this week? It is BK here once again after a much-needed one-week break. Coming at you guys from San Diego, California. Currently, it is 11.35 a.m. as I come to you. Please check me out on Twitter for breaking news throughout the week, at Bravo Kilo Actual, and look at my Instagram for basic cool guy stuff and beach photos and all the rest, and that's at BK Actual. And thanks for sticking with me, guys. Yeah, I know I took last week off. Uh, don't like to take too many weeks off, but sometimes you just got to recharge the batteries, and really glad I did. Of course, during that time, I did come down with a little bit of a uh, crap in the throat. Not COVID, don't worry. Uh, but uh, So I'll try to keep the coughing and hacking to a minimum. And I really appreciate you guys and all the kind messages saying be back soon. Everything else means a lot and uh, glad to have you out there. So let's get right into it. Got a lot to get to. Uh, tons of good audio, of course, uh, as always. And let's start up in Canada. Yep, that's right. The trucker protests that have been going on. We have a live breaking updated news here. I'm just going to kind of go down it. Of course, this is the three-week demonstration in Ottawa, and this is all about the mask mandates. Everybody kind of knows what it's all about right now. But yes, police are moving in. So basically 22 days after this trucker convoy went into Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, if you didn't know, to protest pandemic restrictions, hundreds of police in downtown Ottawa moved in to arrest protesters uh, Friday morning today. And they want to basically put an end to the weeks of gridlock. And it was pretty funny, too, because it basically snowed pretty heavily there. And so the pictures of all these guys, there's a lot of snow on the ground. And it just looks like a giant suck fest, really. Uh, but police made a couple of arrests last night. But now we're seeing hardcore, like, rows of police officers. And they're kind of steadily edging towards protesters on Parliament Hill. Uh, they've got a couple armored vehicles there and attack officers with long guns and several heavy tow trucks. And this is interesting. Whose license plates had been removed. How about that? And company names covered with Ottawa police stickers. I'll have a lot more on some of the strong arming and the emergency declaration that Justin Blackface uh, Castro, I mean, Trudeau has done in a moment, but let's just get through the live updates first. Uh, as of 9 a.m. this morning, West Coast time, there were already 15 people been arrested. Uh, matter of fact, a spokesman for the truckers' convoy, somebody named B.J. Dichter, wrote on Twitter that it was time for protesters to leave. And the police mobilization came after mounting criticism that law enforcement has moved too slowly to end the protests, permitting protesters to taunt local residents for wearing masks. Oh, no! <laughs> God. No taunting. You cannot possibly taunt. Honk their horns in quiet residential neighborhoods and undermine local businesses. Yeah, I, you know, I did. So I'm, I, I love civil disobedience, of course. Uh, I, I would say that the honking of the horns, those deafening air horns in residential neighborhoods was, was not a, a good strategy. But you guys, again, before I finish the back, we have to put all of this in the context of police ignoring Massive demonstrations, looting, rioting, arson, armed robbery, assault, and battery on police officers, by the way, that occurred for months at a time in the U.S. And not to mention, a lot of this shit happened in Canada, too. As a matter of fact, remember the indigenous rise up from a few months ago when they thought there were mass graves all over? 
I read they burned down like 60 churches, pulling down statues, and nobody in the media said jack shit about that. But all of a sudden, you know the guy, who's the guy, you Canadians help me out here. I don't remember the dude's name. He's, he's a Canadian national hero. It's the guy who like ran across Canada with one leg. And that was, so basically he's got a statue. And some of the protesters put like a hat on the statue and a sign in the hands. And the fucking Twitter nerds and Canadian media was going berserk, going, look at them just desecrating a statue. I'm like, putting a hat on a statue is not desecrating it. And again, put it in the context of months and months of people throwing statues, tearing down statues, vandalizing statues, graffiti. It's just fucking nonsense. It's like they just don't, they want you to pretend like 2020 never happened. It's, it blows my mind and it's not going to work. But let's continue. Law enforcement created a perimeter with about 100 checkpoints in Ottawa's downtown core to keep anyone but residents from entering. And, uh, you know, this is a huge moment in Canadian history, honestly, with the declaration of the National Public Order Emergency. By the way, that's the first such declaration in half a century to end these protests. And a lot of this had to do with the weekend, uh, weeks-long blockade of that Ontario bridge that is vital to automakers' supply chains. I read where like 25% of all commerce between Canada and the U.S. crossed that bridge. Of course, that's going to be a huge, uh, have huge implications for Canadian economy, U.S. economy, supply chain all over the world. And uh, this was a, this is basically a crazy moment. And these truckers went uh, uh, pretty far into it, but this is about as far as they can go. So, um, a couple of main organizers have been arrested, uh, including a guy named Chris Barber. And the protest, remember, began weeks ago with a loosely organized group of truckers objecting to a requirement that they be vaccinated if they cross the U.S.-Canada border, right? Which is funny because all stupid blackface Justin Trudeau had been like, yeah, you know what, they're right. That is kind of stupid, especially the pandemic dwindling. And especially since truckers don't really interact with anybody. You know, they're sitting in their truck crossing the country alone. All he had to say was, you know, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, let's just drop that mandate because that's stupid. This never would have even happened. But this is such a cult now that these officials cannot save face. They can't do it. And they will refuse to say they were wrong, and it was stupid. And he would rather institute something that hasn't happened in Canada in 50 years, basically dividing the country, throwing into turmoil, and I've got plenty of... Instituting all kinds of draconian uh, civil rights violations, and I'm going to have more on that in a minute, so bad that if it was any other country, the United States would be writing condemnations about it, if not uh, dropping sanctions on that country. If this was happening in, say, a Middle Eastern country... You bet your ass we would be doing that. Uh, just scrolling through the live updates page, uh, it's pretty much all the same. You know, they, they're they're warning that yeah, the cops are moving in, and yeah, this has been going on uh, for a good while now. And I mean, honestly, they the the hysteria by the anti truckers and get me wrong, don't get me wrong, guys. I I I don't think that they should have been allowed to stay there indefinitely. Absolutely not. But remember, let's just take the example of the Portland courthouse siege. Rioters were a lot, and I know it's a different country, but I'm just comparing fucking political outlooks because fucking stupid blackface Trudeau and the libs who run our government have the exact same outlook on this stuff. But so in, in Portland, 
Remember, rioters, arsonists were allowed to target police, try to throw firebombs at them, blare noise, have open-air drug fucking dens, fighting the cops, and that was allowed to go on for months. So their fucking crocodile tears over some trucks sitting there, who, by the way, didn't burn down any buildings, didn't cause any vandalism. Uh, yes, and they, I saw where they're like, well, just, there's somebody waving a Nazi flag. And I'm like, yes, stupid, because they're calling the government Nazis, moron. It's just, the, the, and the media has been absolutely fucking pathetic during this whole thing. So they did do it. I think, I think, they, could, I think they pretty much went about as far as they could. could. Now, uh, let's talk about this public emergency from Blackface Trudeau. They said the move would allow the government to take a variety of steps, including freezing bank accounts of protesters to clear the blockade of about 400 trucks in Ottawa. And this emergency act does confer enormous, if temporary, big air quotes there, power on the federal government. Uh, you can, they can ban public assembly. How about that? And restrict travel to and from specific areas. Of course, Blackface Trudeau and members of his cabinet offered repeated assurance that the act would not be used to suspend fundamental rights. Well, it already has. It already has been used to do that. The last time the act was imposed, by the way, it was Blackface's Trudeau uh, father, big air quotes there, <laughs> Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau. He imposed them during a terrorism crisis in Quebec. And that Emergencies Act uh, came about in 1988. Uh, I don't really understand that because... Uh, Okay, they must have modified the... Okay, I see. Trudeau's father imposed emergency powers. The, those powers were then solidified into a piece of legislation called the 1988 Emergencies Act. Okay, this was poor writing there. And it's no, it's no, it's, uh, it's no joke. The police are now able to seize trucks and other vehicles used to blockades. They can pull people's license. They can cancel insurance. How about this? As I was alluding to earlier, tow truck operators who have been reluctant to cooperate with the police will now be compelled to work with law enforcement agencies. Isn't that insane? Yeah, you're going to drive that truck and you are going to move those. Otherwise, we're going to yank your business license. We're going to seize everything you've worked for your whole life and all your property. Is this fucking unbelievable? No wonder. By the way, kudos to them. I saw like four or five of the premiers of Canada's provinces were opposed to this act. And even the editorial board of the what I'm assuming is wildly left-wing Toronto Sun was also opposed to this. Um, anything else about specifics of the act? The police will be exchanging information with banks about protesters, and their personal business accounts may be frozen. Insurance companies will be required to revoke insurance on any vehicles used in blockades. Wow. Yeah, here, here, a little bit more specific. They should have put this in the first fucking paragraph. When the elder, Mr. Trudeau, declared an emergency nearly 52 years ago, he relied not on the law, that 1988 law his son used, but on a predecessor called the War Measures Act. And his challenge was actually something serious. It wasn't civil unrest. It was terrorist. Because a group of Quebec separatists who had conducted a bombing campaign in Montreal, had kidnapped Quebec's deputy premier and a British diplomat. And Pierre Laporte, that deputy premier, was later assassinated. So fucking a little bit more serious 
and a bunch of truckers smoking and joking while not driving or doing any of that. <laughs> of course. On Monday, several national security experts praised the current prime minister's decision. Yeah. Oh, you know who? They, yeah, they, they got a bunch of dorky professors here. Yeah. Oh, they, they actually found one who is a Le- Leah West, a professor, of course. Uh, she's, she agreed with most of it, but then she added that the financial measures may be more problematic. Well, it doesn't matter. They're doing it. They're doing it. Uh, it's the New York Times. Uh, protesters have desecrated the National War Memorial. I, I, I did hear about that. I didn't see it. Were they pissing or something? I don't know if they were doing it on purpose. Yeah, that, that's lame on their part, if, that, if that's true. But then the, the New York Times writes this. Protesters had legal violations like public drinking, and it's widespread, mister. <laughs> Oh, no, not public drinking. Um, and then that, that's all the New York Times can come up with for, like, vandalism. They mention a mall is has had to be closed. Okay. All right. And there are, there are 10 provincial premieres, by the way. And at least five of them disagreed with his decision. Now, while his emergency declaration went into effect immediately, the House of Commons must approve it within seven days. Well, we're getting close to seven days, so we'll see what happens there. It's a little bit more specific about this finance stuff because this is the craziest part of it. Um, Yeah, this is basically aimed at cutting off funds to protesters. And this is a long list of entities that have to comply includes banks, investment firms, credit unions, loan companies, securities dealers, fundraising platforms, as you guys saw, insurance companies, and fraternal benefit societies. They, all those entities, must determine whether they're in, quote, possession or control of property, end quote, of a person who's attending an illegal protest, illegal protest, or providing supplies to demonstrators. So the government doesn't have to, the companies have to. If those entities find such a person in their customer list, they must freeze their accounts and report to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, that is Canada's federal law enforcement agency, or Canada's intelligence service. This is wild, dude. Um, and and it's, it's, it's not gone without a fight. There's a lot of people. I have some clips here. I'm going to play in a moment. Uh, including, by the way, it's going to crack down a lot of cryptocurrency. So... Wild stuff. Uh, is that all? Let's play a few a few of those clips. First of all, let me start with the the meeting that Blackface Justin Castro, I mean Trudeau, had when he declared the emergency powers. Just I, so, if you guys don't know, the rumor is that Blackface's uh, real father is uh, Fidel Castro, the former Cuban dictator. There's probably nothing to it, but it's funny, so I'm going to just keep calling him that. Okay, so here he is declaring, uh, giving himself the emergency powers, and let's uh, listen to how it goes. To continue building on these efforts, the federal government is ready to use more tools at its disposal to get the situation fully under control. After discussing with cabinet and caucus, after consultation with premiers from all provinces and territories, after speaking with opposition leaders, the federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. I want to be very clear. 
The scope of these measures will be time-limited, geographically targeted, as well as reasonable and proportionate mm. to the threats they are meant to address. The Emergencies Act will be used to strengthen and support law enforcement agencies at all levels across the country. This is about keeping Canadians safe, yes, protecting yes. people's jobs, and restoring confidence in our institutions. Yeah, well, you don't have any, but you've lost. You're, you've lost the confidences. Okay, so now I want to talk about this. Uh, now I want to play some clips from his dopey deputy prime minister. I don't have her name right. Oh, Christia Freeland. And by the way, so I, somebody told me she was a former journalist or something. I want to play a few clips from her. So you can hear exactly, and this is straight from the horse's mouth, what they intend to do, and especially on the financial side. So let's listen to Freeland. In the Emergencies Act, we are announcing the following immediate actions. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. There you go. The illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Our banks and financial institutions are already obligated to report to the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Centre of Canada, or FinTrack. As of today, all crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use must register with FinTrack and they must report large and suspicious transactions to this is this is this is actually insane if you if you really listen to it and let's listen to the uh, financial service provider part. The government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act, authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Okay, so in other words, basically, yes, the banks can take all of your money and you can't sue them in court because they'll be fucking protected. Unbelievable. That's like, this is like third world shit. It's just crazy to me. Uh, do I have anything else on this? Oh, there's, this is an amusing thing. So basically, <coughs> Blackface Trudeau uh, came out and said that uh, anybody who was uh, standing or defending the truckers was uh, standing with the swastika waivers. Again, the swastika waiver is calling you a Nazi idiot, and he knows that too. But 
This is what gets the media a fucking chub is when you, you know, anytime you can get scary Thwatica, no matter the intent of the demonstration, they fucking just jizz themselves all over. But he targeted basically a uh, member of parliament, Melissa Lanceman. Lanceman is a 37-year-old conservative member of parliament for the Toronto suburb of Thornhill, and she had confronted Trudeau in parliament about this uh, Emergencies Act. And then Trudeau responded with scorn, saying uh, conservative members can stand with people who wave swastikas or they can stand with people who wave the American flag. Again, the whole point is the fuck. That's the whole point, dummy. As a matter of fact, I believe I have the audio here. Let's listen to it. Optimistic, hopeful vision for public life isn't a naive dream. It could be a powerful force for change. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister six years later as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way? When did it happen? Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with oh, See, this is this is this is the tactic of the left. They basically will shout racism, and this is popular as you'll see in the further stories. This is the new thing to do. Everything, if you don't like what I'm doing, well, you're a white supremacist and you probably have a Nazi flag. And that's all to make you start to go on the defense instead of pressing them know about the stupid shit they're doing. And it works a lot of times because our, we have a guilty white liberal media and they back down immediately. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work on me. It doesn't work on most people I know. But sadly, it does work way too much. Uh, do I have anything else or can I fucking move on from this? Um... Oh, I did want to talk about the uh, the GoFundMe a little bit and the doxing because their data was hacked. Give, send, go, the crowdfunding platform. And first of all, the New York Times misspoke. They say leaked the data. It was not leaked. It was hacked. And by the way, Twitter has a policy of if you use hacked material on Twitter, you're supposed to be banned. Well, Reuters only used the hacked data, and as did the Washington Post. Guess what? You'll be shocked to know that absolutely nothing happened to them. But this data listed records of more than 92,000 donations totaling more than $8 million U.S. A review shows that some $4.3 million came from Canada, while an additional $3.6 million originated in the United States. One of the largest donations, and I'll go ahead and say it since it's already out there, uh, was $90,000, and that is attributed to Thomas Siebel, a billionaire Silicon Valley entrepreneur. He did not respond to a request for comment. You see, that's a, and that's when the media is just scum of the earth. So the media gets this hacked data, and they go around immediately calling up people who maybe gave like 20 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks to these truckers because they are against these mandates as well. Did the media do this one time when Black Lives Matter was fucking raising tens of millions of dollars did they do this when the Minneapolis Freedom Fund, oh, I, I don't remember the exact name of it, the Minneapolis Bail Fund, something like that, they bailed out murderers and attempted murders? That's the fund that Kamala Harris famously fucking tweeted out, like, hey, go, 
go put your money to this bail fund, and then the activists use that money to bail out cop assaulters, attempted robbers, arsonists, looters, everything else. Did the media one time ask Kamala Harris about that? No, not once. They didn't even ask her. They didn't even ask her. Even after it came out, as I covered some time ago, that it was proven that those bail funds were used to bail out literal murderers. Uh, and even fucking, and credit where it's due, Ilhan Omar, Minneapolis congresswoman. You guys all know Ilhan Omar, big lib, blah, blah, blah. Probably I've never agreed with her on anything, but she actually defended the donations and attacked the media for going after these people. And it was great on Twitter. If you read the comments, the libs were losing their fucking minds. But yeah, she uh, because people are calling up people who donated and basically giving them death threats. Yeah. And Ilhan Omar wrote the following on Twitter. Quote, I fail to see why any journalist felt the need to report on a shop owner. She's talking about one chick in particular. Making such an insignificant donation rather than to get them harassed. It's unconscionable and journalists need to do better. End quote. So, she's absolutely right. Good for her. Um, and just the... Uh, I talked about the hack, right? This was hacked... The a couple big accounts tweeted out a video, and this guy is so crazy. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play it. But he's taking credit as the guy who hacked Give Send Go. Now, is he the actual guy who did it? I fucking doubt it, dude. Because if you're you're gonna go on Twitter and out yourself as a crime, because that's against the law. But I watched like five seconds of this video and it was so over the top. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play it. So apparently, again, this is the guy who hacked him. Let's listen to this. He's on Instagram live in this, and he's kind of breathing heavily in his... Uh, Nothing scares me. Nothing. Yes, I doxed the truckers. I did it. It was me. I had to give, send, go, baby. And I do it again. <laughs> he's reading questions as they pop up on his live. I do it a hundred times. I did it. I did it. Come at me! What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to me, huh? <laughs> Very. Bizarre. I hacked Epic Hosting. I hacked Parlor. I hacked Gab. I hacked Truth Social. I hacked Go Gibson Go. I don't care. Okay, I'll just leave it at that because obviously this is a very unstable person with uh, colored hair, but it goes on for some time. And is that all I got? Um, yeah, basically they're just totalitarians. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe me, Justin Trudeau's uh, justice minister talked about the convoy supporters and they were asking about this and listen to what he says when challenged about freezing people's bank accounts. It's very just telling. Compared people who may have donated to this to the, the same people who are funding maybe a terrorist. I just want to be clear here, sir. This is really important. A lot of folks says, look, I just don't like your vaccine mandates and I donated to this. Now it's illegal. Should I be worried that the bank can freeze my account? What's your answer to that? Well, it's, I think if you if you are a member uh, of you know a, a pro-Trump movement who's donating hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to this kind of thing, then you ought to be worried. See, there you go. The mask is off. You ought to be worried. And what the fuck does Trump have to do with it? See, this is like the white supremacy thing I just mentioned. All you have to do is invoke Trump. Somebody who has not been in office now for well over a year, 
And that's like supposed to be like some sort of, oh, like I got you. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, you gave money? Oh, what do you like, Trump? That's the defense. Because again, they want you to defend yourself by going, oh, no, I didn't vote for Trump. You, you, got, you have to stay focused. You have to ignore when they do shit like that to you. You don't, even, you don't even say, what the fuck does Trump have to do anything? Don't even say that. Just go back to what you were interrogating them on. And then finally, guys, to finish up our Canadian news, that's it on the truckers. But you know what else is actually happening that's way more fucking serious and that didn't get any, hardly any media? It's not on Twitter, that's for sure. Let's go to British Columbia. A police officer was injured in northern British Columbia in what they described as a violent confrontation between unknown attackers and coastal gas link pipeline workers. Yeah, a new, a, get this. A police news release said that about 20 people, some armed with axes, were attacking security guards and smashing their vehicle windows. Officers arrived at the 41-kilometer mark on the Martin Forest Service Road on Thursday to find it blocked with trees, stumps, wire, spiked boards, and some debris on fire. And as they worked their way through the debris, several people threw smoke bombs and fire-lit sticks at the police, injuring one officer. And then when they got closer to the mark, they found significant damage to heavy machinery, fencing, and portable buildings. Nobody has been arrested. Nobody has been identified as a potential suspect. How crazy is that? Now, that's real violence. The the Canadian media will completely ignore that because it sounds like a bunch of environmental nutcases or the indigenous people protesting. Yep. Um, this is all about, there's, they're building a natural gas pipeline and, um, they think that, uh, some of the basic tribes are involved in this because they've been protesting this shit for years. And like all other things, it's divided. It's not overwhelming because people want to tell you like, oh, well, all indigenous people are opposed to this. Well, they're not. Some are, and some are pro the pipeline because it's good jobs for their tribe. But yeah, they say this is like millions of dollars worth of damage. Now compare that to the fucking, uh, the, the statue that got a hat put on its head. I think his first name is Terry, the guy who ran across the uh, Canada, I believe. So that's your Canadian update. The media will ignore what's going on there. That's far more damage, by the way, than the entire trucker convoy caused in three weeks. Let's talk about Ukraine now. That's right. It's happening. Now, they've already bombed uh, Ukraine, Russia. Yeah, they're, they're advancing. No, I'm just kidding. I, it hasn't happened yet. But they are saying that this is something that could happen. So your la- the latest live updates, there's been a call for mass evacuation in eastern Ukraine. A Russian-backed separatist leader urged 700,000 people to flee the territory, claiming Ukraine was about to attack, but Ukraine has denied the claim saying that those separatists were trying to sow panic. (coughs) Again, this is all... Excuse me, guys. I told you I got this shit in my throat. (coughs) Again, this is all like fate and, you know, slain of hands and all this shit that uh, you would expect a former KGB operative, namely Vladimir Putin, to run. But this is a big deal. The head of Ukraine's Ministry of Defense said the claim of an imminent attack was categorically false. And he made a direct appeal to people living in the region, telling them they were fellow Ukrainians and were under no threat from Kiev. The message of that separatists was to evacuate was loudly echoed by Moscow. Uh, the 
Russians have released a steady stream of reports and propaganda that claim the Ukrainian government was stepping up attacks on separatist regions, which are the regions of Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but let me just roll down here. Vladimir Putin of Russia has claimed that Ukraine is committing genocide in the eastern Donbass region. And his ambassador to the United Nations has compared the government in Kiev to Nazis. Um, right breaking before the podcast, there were reports of a major car bombing in the region. And that was a broadcast across Russian state media. But that's hard to identify. I looked for reports about it more. Couldn't really find any. And it is hard to independently verify those reports, even for somebody like the New York Times, because access to those Western journalists is severely restricted. Social media was flooded with contradictory uh, images of that. Um, our take on it, according to one U.S. State Department official, said that announcements like the everybody get out and all the evacuation are, quote, further attempts to obscure through lies and disinformation that Russia is the aggressor in this conflict, end quote. Uh, Biden is preparing to speak to NATO allies as Russia, again, speaks, uh, kind of does a back and forth. And U.S. officials, by the way, today that said that there are as many as 190,000 Russian troops are arrayed in and near Ukraine, and that number does include those Russian-backed separatists in eastern Ukraine. Um, he will. Biden is supposed to speak to those NATO leaders later today, as a matter of fact. The Ukrainian defense minister and foreign minister quickly denounced the claims of an imminent Ukrainian attack. As I said, uh, they said it's a complete fabrication. There has been an intensification of shelling along the front line between Ukraine and the Russian-backed rebels. And we'll fucking see. It's still a cat and mouse. Again, go look at the map. The New York Times has a good map of all the Russian positions here. Now, also, putting on to the, another wrinkle into this, Russia is going to conduct major drills this weekend that will include the launch of ballistic and cruise missiles. They will test Russia's strategic nuclear forces, which include the land-based launchers, bombers, and warships used to deliver nuclear weapons. This will involve the Black Sea Fleet of Russia, which has been engaged in large-scale exercise in a region bordering Ukraine. And Putin is going to provide over them from a situation room, the Kremlin said. The defense ministry said the drills have been planned in advance. Of course, well, of course they have. So that's really about it. Oh, the U.S. By the way, we're giving Poland 250 tanks. Damn. Yeah, that's according to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin III. Oh, well, the tanks are not going to. They're expected to arrive in Poland at 2025 at the earliest. Okay. And also, they are doubling American troops in Poland to nearly 9,000. Uh, yes, uh, let's see. And then quickly, other uh, relevant stories. The uh, hack that took place of the Ukrainian Defense Ministry, Army, and state banks was the largest of its kind in Ukraine's history. Yeah, that was on Tuesday of this week. And it also bore traces of foreign intelligence services, according to a top Ukrainian cybersecurity official. And they said that this was uh, this attack was organized from different countries, and the key goal of the attack, according to them, is to destabilize, to sow panic. And they announced this 
as Russian forces kept gathering on Ukraine's northern, eastern, and southern borders. The websites and banks targeted on Tuesday were hit with a distributed denial-of-service attack, otherwise known as a DDoS, during which hackers flood the server's hosting website until it becomes overloaded and shut down. And then uh, just an amusing story that I thought, do you guys remember the viral picture of the Vladimir Putin's table, that really long table where he meets uh, world leaders? It's this big, long, white table. It's got to be 25 feet across. But just uh, it's just funny. It's been like in a lot of memes now. But it's funny. It's it's there's controversy. We have table controversy because two different because people are asking like who fucking made this table and now two manufacturers are saying they did it and accusing each other of disinformation, which I thought was funny. Because Spanish furniture maker Vincente Zaragoza told a Spanish radio station that his company had provided the table, but then in North Italy, Renato Polonia who runs his family's furniture manufacturing company, says, no, 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 we made the table. Polonia said that his company built the table for Boris Yeltsin in 1995 when he was the president of Russia. Oh, here we go. It's 20 feet long. It's made of seasoned beech hardwood lacquered with water-based paint and decorated with gold leaves. Just the top of the table weighs 770 pounds. (laughs) Uh, That's some good strongman shit right there for sure. Anything else on Ukraine that I want to get into? No, let's keep going, you guys. Around the world to Brazil. Mudslides in Brazil have killed at least 100 people. I saw right before the podcast 111. Probably going to be more than that. But yeah, that's a shitload. This was part of the city of Petropolis in a region where a similar disaster in 2011, by the way, killed more than 900 people. I guess this is an improvement. <coughs> this city is... Um, about 70 miles away from Rio's beaches. And intense rainfall started on Tuesday evening. This caused mudslides that tore down dozens of homes on the hillsides above Petropolis and then caused flooding that did more damage in the streets below. Images and videos on social media showed rivers of mud rushing through the city streets, sweeping everything along the way. Cars, trees, people, etc. And by the way, that 900 people who died in the mudslides in 2011, that is the worst natural disaster in Brazil's history. Yeah, it's kind of the same old story because as the city has gotten bigger, residents have moved into the hills. They cleared forests that once uh, forests that acted as a buffer against mudslides. And then they built these fucking houses on this terrain that's like super steep. Not exactly you know, the way to go, but this is like kind of a... This, obviously, the building codes are not what we have in the U.S. And, yeah, it's it's just going to happen uh, a little bit more. Heavy rains are not uncommon during Brazil's summer, summer months. In December, floods killed at least 20 people and displaced about 50,000 in the country's northeast. So, yeah, no good. Let's talk about a few boats. We got some boat news, big boats. Let's start with this ferry that is carrying 1,100 Porsches and other luxury cars that has been that's burning in the middle of the ocean, and it's basically now just floating around. And under maritime law, well, let me get to that in a moment. Let me read the article first. But yeah, this is drifting. It's on the 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 cargo ship is on fire. It's drifting off the coast of the Azores after 
22 crew members were rescued from the vessel. I have read an update where they said about 10 are missing still. This ship is called the Felicity Ace. It departed from Emden, Germany on February 10th and was scheduled to arrive in Davisville, Rhode Island on Wednesday. So, um, no rescuers or crew members were injured in the what is undoubtedly a skilled and demanding operation that basically you're doing like a lot of uh, you know, plucking people off a ship in a helicopter. And they're not sure how much has actually been lost. But the Volkswagen Group has estimated nearly 4,000 vehicles on board, including 189 Bentleys. That's no good because, as you guys know, the cars and the supply chain are going through huge problems right here. And, yeah, um, I did... Okay, it's not in the article. So I did read where once the ship is abandoned in the ocean and it's just drifting, then it's fucking up for grabs. It's considered abandoned at that point. And any salvage operation, if they want to, can take on the job of going to get it. So I was like wondering, are we going to see like fucking pirates swoop in or like, you know, if I had a huge boat, I'd definitely think about it. If you th- thought you could put out the fire, I mean, if you could, boy, that'd be a, that'd be a hefty fucking haul. 182 Bentleys alone, millions of dollars. And then in other boat news, hundreds of people were rescued today, Friday from a burning ferry near the Greek island of Corfu. Um, two passengers remain trapped in the ship's garage and at least 11 were missing. That could be updated by now. That fire broke out early Friday morning on the deck of the ship, which is called the Euro Ferry Olympia. And that was bound for an Italian port. And they had 239 passengers and 51 crew members, as well as 153 commercial vehicles and 32 passenger vehicles. But... They don't know yet what caused the fire, but the fire is still burning 12 hours after it started. Luckily, the Coast Guard was able to get most people off the ship. All right, guys, I know that's a lot, so fuck. Let's take a break here really quick. And yes, many of you sent this to me story, sent me this story. Of the 37-year-old virgin who got a six-foot string stuck in his penis during a botched sex game. Yes, this is it. Radiology case reports. There's lots of x-rays. And it kind of uh, detailed what happened. So, according to the study, this began after the anonymous man inserted a long nylon string that is used for beads. You know, you hippies who do beading out there. Into his urethra. God, this next line. While fully erect and watching a pornographic video. This was reportedly the patient's first time performing such a feat. Oh, get out of here. It was not. Although he had reportedly masturbated and watched porn every day, the study study noted. Okay, well, it was obviously not his first time. I don't I don't get the I don't get the shoving stuff inside the pee hole. I just don't. I've done many, many stories on it throughout the years, and I just it just fails. I mean, it sounds like you're all set up there, bro. You got your porn. You got your dick out, hand firmly clasping the penis. I mean, what? I don't know why you need to introduce more things at that point. Anyway, this is this is in the. I want to say it's Indonesia. They don't say poor writing. 
But they said he was reported to a hospital in Surabaya. And if I remember some of my cities correctly, I believe that's in Indonesia somewhere. Now, scientists, remember, have blamed a lot of these things on sounding. You guys remember what sounding is, right? Yeah, sounding is defined as sticking foreign bodies in one's urethra. Uh, you remember, if you guys go back to the podcast from last August, a Michigan man got six kidney beans stuck in his urethra while sounding. So never forget. Okay, uh, what else? Oh, I had one more boat story. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, at least 10 people are dead after a Spanish fishing vessel sunk in the Atlantic. That's sad. Yeah, there's a, It sank early Tuesday, hundreds of miles off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada, leaving at least 10 people dead and 11 missing. This was the Via de Pintanxo, and it sank. The survivors had made it into a life raft, which also held the bodies of four members of the crew. The bodies of three other crew members were later found in the water. Ugh. Very sad. Uh, let's go to England. Let's do a couple speech stories here. You guys know I'm a big First Amendment guy. Of course, the United States is the only country in the world with the First Amendment. A fact that you should be on your knees thanking God every day. But uh, a, few, a few London police officers have been charged over offensive WhatsApp messages. Yeah, they're criminally charged with sending, quote, grossly offensive messages, end quote. And the police announced this after an investigation that began in the wake of the kidnapping, rape, and murder of Sarah Everard by a police officer. You guys remember that case? And I also covered it on the year in review. It was a huge thing over in England. Uh, mass protests. It was all about the treatment of women and how they're not safe anywhere. Uh, so the allegations involve messages. Investigator. Oh, that's. Was, okay, this is, again, difficult writing. This kind of came out of the investigation after Everard's killing, but it does not appear to be related to that case in general. The allegations involve messages investigators say were sent two years earlier between April and August of 2019. Oh, investigators did not disclose the contents of the messages. Oh, get out of here. There's such wieners over there. You should, they, they, you should have to disclose the content if you're gonna arrest somebody and charge them then yeah you should have to disclose the contents of the message and it's gonna come out in court anyway you're so stupid these people um yeah basically the charges stemmed uh from an investigation into the phone records of wayne cousins that's the cop who killed everard in march of 2021 and the messages had been recovered from a cell phone discovered during the police investigation. Cousins was serving as a London police officer in March 2021 when he used his police identification card and other official equipment to stage a fake arrest and handcuff Everard as she walked home during a pandemic lockdown. And then he sexually assaulted her, and seven days later, her burned remains were found stuffed in green trash bags in the woods dozens of miles from London. Just awful. And he pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. So that's what this came out about. Uh, and if, it's happened a few other times. Last year, two police officers were sentenced to 33 months in prison for taking photos of the bodies of Biba Henry and Nicole Smallman, sisters who were killed in the London Park in June of 2020 and sending them to numerous people on WhatsApp. 
Yeah, that's shades of the Kobe Bryant situation. You guys know about that, uh, where his wife was embroiled in a lawsuit with the L.A. Sheriff's Department about some of the deputies taking pictures of bodies and, like, just sending them around. It's just no, no class, dude. You know, like, I mean, I have fucking, on a personal note, like, I have pictures of bodies from fucking the job, and I'm, I'm not sending them around. It's, it's just pretty, pretty gross. Now, meanwhile, in a second kind of speech-related story in the UK, a London woman has been jailed for 11 months for mean Facebook posts or social media posts. And the, the social media posts are abhorrent, but nobody should go to prison for what they write on social media. They do that in the UK a lot. But yeah, she was jailed for 11 months for claiming the 2017 London Grenfell Tower fire was a, quote, Jewish sacrifice, end quote. You guys remember that big tower fire? A lot of poor people lived in it. The whole thing went up in flames. Uh, 72 victims lost their lives in that. But a woman who was 51 named Tara Ahmed was jailed. Uh, oh, she it was on Facebook. And... Do they have the actual post here? Um, oh, here we go. Here's the actual post. She wrote the following. Quote, I've been at the scene at the protests and at the community meetings and have met many of the victims, some who are still in the same clothes they escaped in. They are very real and genuine. Their pain and suffering is raw and deep, and their disgusting neglect by authorities continues. Watch the footage of people trapped in the inferno with flames behind them. They were burnt alive in a Jewish sacrifice. End quote. Yep. She also had many other anti-Semitic comments. Well, she was found guilty of two counts of stirring up racial hatred. So in other words, she was basically saying uh, she was siding with all the poor people who lived in the building and said, oh, these rich Jews are responsible for this. So, yeah, again, I'm a big free speech guy. I don't believe anybody should go to uh, jail or be arrested or charged for writing stuff in the internet. Under any circumstance, I don't care what they say. I don't care if they're like, hey, we're ISIS and we're about to... Uh, uh, go cutthroats. Good. You just made yourself easier to identify. You know, I mean, if you're threatening direct, you know, physical harm to somebody like, hey, I'm coming to kill you, that's different. All right. Let's go to Mali. Big news here. France announced this week that it is going to pull out its troops from the West African nation of Mali, bringing an end to their nine-year military mission that has failed to squash the terrorist threat in an increasingly unstable region. It's about fucking time. This is always good. This is us in Afghanistan. It was always a losing issue. You know why it's a losing issue? Because the Africans fucking don't want you there. That's why. They don't want whitey messing in their affairs. They're content to have terrorist attacks and mass slaughters. So be it. And this followed a rapid breakdown in relations between France and Mali's military rulers. So now what's going to happen? Well, a lot of Boko Haram is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Remember, France was once hugely important in Africa. It has many former African colonies. French is widely spoken there. But jihadist groups have continued to spread across Mali. And it's funny because as, as the New York Times, like, jihadist groups continue to spread across Mali, right? You know who's... Unpopular? France's military presence. As a matter of fact, Mali's leaders, to France's chagrin, have turned for help to Russia. 
Yeah, they've Russia's already supplanted France's dominance in another former colony, which is the Central African Republic. We've talked about them a few times. I don't France's pullout from Mali has been dreaded in Paris. Why? Oh, it's symbolism. A humiliating withdrawal of French soldiers from a part of the world where its influence long stood unchallenged. Well, that's the nature of the beast. Yep, and now who's moving in? They're going to come out in uh, fucking China, Germany, Russia. They're all going to come in, and now they're going to waste a bunch of time and money. So let them. A French foreign minister a few weeks ago called Mali's military leaders, quote, out of control, end quote, and they retaliated by expelling the French ambassador who was only given 72 hours to leave the country. Wow. Uh, French president... Emmanuel Macron did express frustration with Mali's leaders, who, by the way, came to power after two successive coups in the last 20 months. And he said that the breakdown in relations had prompted France and its allies to rethink their strategy. Uh, yeah, Macron said, quote, We cannot remain militarily engaged with de facto authorities whose strategy and hidden objectives we do not share. <laughs> End quote. And that came after a dinner between the French leader and Western and African counterparts. Uh, but of course, uh, the, the pullout will be seen as a defeat. And actually, they're gleeful about this in Mali because they're like, see, those whiteies are former colonizers. See, they're run leaving. Yeah. Um, France's hasty retreat will be likely be hailed as a major victory by the jihadist groups. The withdrawal of foreign forces is one of their two main demands. The other, a transformation of society and politics, of course, in line with their interpretation of Sharia law. Um, now, that doesn't mean they're leaving Africa completely. They might go over to countries who may want them, say, neighboring Niger. And this all began, you guys know this by now if you've been listening, this all began... Um, in 2012 in Mali, when terrorist groups across that Sahel region took up arms against the government in the name of Allah. And this uh, was in uh, Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso. And they have attacked armies that are ill-trained or poorly equipped, and they regularly attack civilians. There's been massacres. I've covered it many, many times. And then France sent troops into Mali to 2013, to beat back armed Islamist extremists who had taken over their northern cities. And at first, they were welcomed. The campaign had only been expected to last a few weeks. <laughs> they successfully routed the extremists from the cities, but then they decided to stay on. Now, over 4,000 French soldiers are currently deployed across the Sahel region. Most of them were in Mali. Um, yeah, they just weren't able to do it. And then everybody got sick of them. Pretty wild. End of an era, for sure. Let's go to Australia. If you guys have been following on Instagram, at BK Actual. By the way, you saw this video. A shark has killed a swimmer in a rare death off Sydney coast. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Has there ever been a fatal shark attack of a human caught on video before? It's pretty crazy and pretty gnarly, too. You could hear the guy screaming and shit. Yeah, this was uh, off the coast of Sydney in the vicinity of Buchan, Buchan Point near Malabar. They did find human remains. This was near something called Little Bay Beach. 
they have identified the guy since this article was posted, but I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it was the first fatal shark incident in recent memory. And the last fatal shark bite on a Sydney beach was in 1963. And they estimated the size of the shark to be about 15 minutes long. And they said the guy uh, was swimming in a wetsuit. And he might have been mistaken for a seal. Very few shark encounters are um, are fatal, by the way. So... In 2021, in case you didn't know, the United States led the world in unprovoked shark bites with 47, including one fatality. Australia ranked second with 12 unprovoked episodes, including six bites in New South Wales, two of which were fatal. Now, sharks are actually a political issue in Australia. They have debates about culling the fish and protective nets that have also resulted in the accidental deaths of thousands of other marine animals. And this comes on the drop in the number of sharks and rays over the last 50 years. Scientists reported last year that oceanic sharks and rays have declined by 71% since 1970, basically because of overfishing. Okay, two comments. First of all, a lot of you, I've gotten many messages who asked me for the video. Guys, I, I put it up. I don't save this shit. Okay, so it's on Instagram. You can rip it from me there. I don't care if you fucking screen record what I put up and, and then you put, that's fine. But I I got like a dozen requests for the video, and I'm like, dude, I don't like go Google it, fuck. Now and then, second of all, uh, I got a couple messages asking about the animal hierarchy of the shark. It's tricky because on one hand they are very scary, but on another hand they're also an apex predator, which is pretty awesome and automatically ranks you fairly high on the animal hierarchy. I'm not sure how intelligent they are, which would rank you lower on the animal hierarchy. So, for example, like an orca is extremely high on the animal hierarchy. Not only incredibly intelligent, but also an apex predator. So an orca would be higher on the animal hierarchy than a great white shark. I don't agree with the the overfishing of them. I think it's stupid, and a lot of that is for, yes, those Asian dishes, the, the shark fin soup and all that stuff, and I think that's horrible. Just fucking leave them alone. Unless you're starving or something, it's stupid. Just throw them back. Don't fuck with sharks, basically. All right, let's turn to another crazy one. How about this story? Let's go back to Canada for this one. Headline, uh, what the hell does this, don't, headline writers, don't put an acronym in your fucking headline which I don't know what it means. Okay, I just figured out what it means. Here's the headline. Fake NL nurse who molested elderly patients sentenced to 16 months in jail. I've just been scanning it. That appears to be Newfoundland and Labrador, hence NL. This is Chris Roberts, 45 years old. He's a giant, gross, fat dude, disgusting looking. But get this. He faked nursing credentials. He forged nursing credentials, right, to get a job at Bay Roberts Retirement Home. And then he was caught in the act of sexually assaulting an elderly sleeping resident. You know how many? He's only going to get 16 months in prison. He had forged a background check, lied about his education as a licensed practical nurse, LPN. And he worked there at this Bay Roberts as a personal care attendant. 
Um, so here's what happened. He was the night supervisor on the night of August 16, 2020, when a colleague came across him standing over an elderly patient who was a male in the man's bedroom. The man cannot be identified under Canadian law. He was asleep at the time. The witness said she saw power rubbing the man's genitals through his pants and described a look of glee on Power's face as he did so. 16 months in prison? You think that fucking urge is going to go away? God awful. All right, let's come back to the United States. This is a fantastic story. Let's talk about the San Francisco school members that got kicked to the curb. And guys, this is what I've been screaming for. You don't argue with these people. You don't debate these people. You remove them. Politically, of course. You just get rid of them. We're beyond that. We have a new woke religious cult now, and there's no debating them, and there's no arguing with them. You just get rid of them. Okay? You run, and if it has to be you, so be it. Then you run for office. You get involved with the school board. Let it be you. You have to get rid of these people. I'm tired of seeing these people, like, and I've, I, I play the clips all the time, standing up and talking at the school board meeting to some dipshit school board member who obviously hates them. Just don't even do that. Organize recalls. Get rid of them. That's what you do. And that's what they did in San Francisco. Kudos to them. Yeah, what are you doing in your city? Jack shit. I told you guys there's a conservative streak and a rebellious streak out here in California. Everybody thinks they're a bunch of libs. It's not true. Remember, the first fucking city you actually kicked the shit out of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa losers during the 2020 protests, the George Floyd protests, that was fucking Huntington Beach, California. They ran them right the fuck out of town. While Minnesota and countless other fucking cities that are more conservative, apparently, let them burn their cities to the ground. But yeah, they got them out of there. They threw three members of the Board of Education out. And this was a huge... And this wasn't even close, you guys. This was like by almost 80%. And this had to do with remote learning. It had to do with the goofy, woke fucking crusade to re rename a bunch of schools. It had to do with the watering down of standards at one of their elite fucking public schools that nobody liked. And so what did the board do when parents raised these objections? They called them a bunch of white supremacists. And by the way, most of the parents were Asian. Yep, they wanted to get rid of 44... They wanted to rename 44 public schools. And they carried a range, a, a range of names from Abraham Lincoln, Senator Dianne Feinstein, of all people, John Muir, the naturalist, and Paul Revere. Yeah. And this was the big one. Many Chinese voters were incensed when the school board changed the admission system for the district's most prestigious institution, Lowell High School. It abolished requirements based primarily on grades and test scores, instead implementing a lottery system because some more dummies could get in. And honestly, I was on Twitter this morning. All the race grifter black activists are screaming that, uh, oh, so you'd rather have a smart school than have more brown and black people? It's like, no, I want a smart school. I don't care who gets in. Your skin color is irrelevant to me. It, 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 if, if it was all black, I wouldn't care. It should be purely merit. This has no play. I'm tired of it. This is one of those equity measures. Remember, not equality. Equity is the mandating a certain outcome. This is an equity measure. Two, no matter if you're unqualified, every single public institution has to have a certain racial breakdown. It's absurd. And by the way, we're the only we're one of the few countries in the world who does this stupid shit. And then 
They really pissed off the parents when the board's vice president, Allison Collins, who was one of the three ousted members, said Asian Americans were like slaves who benefited from working inside a slave owner's house. And I am going to read the tweet, and yes, we will. you will hear racial slurs in a moment. <coughs> so, sorry guys, I know I'm coughing a lot, but I told you that uh, my throat's just all acting up. But there is, it was, a, it was a big deal. And this is like a political, it's like a, Local thing. You can't really transfer this across because I've read articles where it's saying like, well, this is the beginning of a, a big movement. It could be. It could be. But the big thing was remote learning when they absolutely refused to bring the kids back to school. That was really the impetus of when this started. Then the school names came about. Then the mural. I forgot about this. They had some murals at George Washington High School. And they had a fucking, like, basically a classic painting. This mural is, like, old and famous. And, you know, rather than use that as a teaching opportunity, because apparently the mural um, had George Washington standing over black and native peoples. And that alone was such an outrage. Now, instead of using that to say, like, well, you know what? This is what history was back then. And it wasn't necessarily great. And racism, you know, there were racist feelings. And this is why we, you know, that you use it as a teaching moment. You don't fucking just whitewash it. And they wanted to cover the mural at a cost of $815,000. <laughs> yeah. Even the, uh, yeah, they just didn't, they, they, they didn't want to, well, first they wanted to paint over the mural. Then they backtracked and decided, okay, we'll just cover it. Stupid. And then the Lowell thing. I already talked about that. Oh, uh, this, was a co- this was a good one that came up too. The school board, by the way, they have to sign off on candidates for what they call the Parental Advisory Board, PAB, a volunteer. This is a volunteer position, right? So they, at the time, PAB was majority BIPOC, black indigenous people of color, all female, and had no LGBTQ members. So they had a gay teacher who was also the dad of biracial kids. He was a nominee, but fucking that uh, Vice President Collins... Yeah, that, that would temporarily tip the composition of the board to majority white. Well, she fucking blocked that. And by the way, it was all entirely women. The entire board. Not a single fucking man on that. You believe this? And uh, just a bunch of shit and basic incompetence. So, good for them. They took action and that's how you do it. And now the one of these uh, these ousted school board members are on Twitter as we speak, ranting and raving about white supremacy. And it doesn't matter. Let them rant and rave, you guys. This is what I'm talking about. They're ranting and raving, saying, the, but it doesn't matter. Let them scream into the void. The important thing is you did what really matters, which is get rid of them. And uh, I just I was read some of the tweets. So this was from um, back in 2016, right after Trump got elected. So here are some of Allison Collins' tweets. And by the way, they're still up. And she never, uh, she sort of half-assedly apologized from them. Uh, But she wrote the following. um, Here she goes. Here's one tweet. Where are the vocal Asians speaking up against Trump? Don't Asian Americans know they are on his list as well? And then she wrote the following. Caution for racial slurs. Again, because of the Rogan thing. I have to say this. This is an adult show, and I use slurs in context when they are out there. So she wrote the following, quote, Do they think they won't be deported? Talking about Asians. 
profiled, beaten, being a house nigger is still being a nigger. You're still considered the help, end quote. Yep. And then she started fuck, and now she's ranting. That same chick is ranting on fucking Twitter right now. She just wrote uh, this morning or yesterday. It is amazing how powerful the need is to restrict black immigrant Native American self-determination when it results in changes for folks who benefit from the status quo. This backlash is happening because we effectively centered unheard voices and redistributed power. It's fucking gibberish, you guys. They just spout gibberish. <laughs> what does that even mean? Here's another one. There's a lot to analyze about the recall. I encourage folks to do so using racism as a critical lens. As we see with anti-CRT narratives nationally, the right has essentially weaponized discussions of race. Oh, shut up. See, now nobody cares what you think, Allison. So you can fucking do your lunacy all day long. Have fun. <coughs> Great headline here. Picks of drug dealers bent penis force him to admit asking boy to perform sex act. <laughs> Where is this? This is in the UK. A drug dealer who asked a 16-year-old to perform a sex, a sex act on him to pay for cannabis was caught out when pictures were taken of the distinctive bend in his penis. Uh, so, this was during the, during the trial happened. And... Um, they, they, he basically denied that this happened. So the teenager showed up, he wants some drugs and the guy's like, well, give me some money. And the kid's like, well, I don't have any money. And so he said, um, well, well, you can pay me with some, uh, sexual acts. And by the way, the boy did that and he left the apartment with the drugs. Kids, come on. He was later arrested and denied any involvement, but he was identified by the boy who then described a bend in the drug dealer's private parts. So they took pictures of the bend in his penis. And yeah, those photos did show a distinctive, quote, deviation, end quote, in his private parts. Yeah. Wasn't like, didn't that happen with Bill Clinton, <laughs> with Monica Lewinsky going way back? Didn't she, was she saying about the bend in his penis? I don't know. A uh, couple of uh, orange man bad updates. Uh, the New York Attorney General can question Trump and his two children, a judge has ruled. Oh, boy, the libs on Twitter were fucking creaming their jeans when they heard this. This is New York Attorney General Letitia James. And this is part of a civil inquiry. And by the way, this is questioning under oath. This is part of a civil inquiry into his business practices. And this comes after Trump's longtime accounting firm had cut ties with him and essentially retracted a decade's worth of his financial statements. Now, she's also running a parallel criminal investigation. This is the civil one. And so the lawyers are like, well, how can you do that? How can the same person oversee both of these at the same time? Uh, so this is, uh, this is not good for Trump. Since he's left office, he's lost the battle to withhold his financial records from the Manhattan District Attorney. Um, and he also tried to block a congressional committee from inspecting the White House record, and he lost that too. So, yeah, again, I, you guys remember, you longtime listeners, you remember this. I'm As I've said fucking back during campaign 2016, when I started this podcast, I'm sure Donald Trump has committed all kinds of crimes. 
You're not going to be a fucking real estate developer in New York City in the 70s and not deal with the mob and the unions, just for one example. Now, that being said, of course he's being singled out, obviously, because every single fucking other developer did the exact same thing. So is she is this for political persecution? Absolutely, it is, because if it wasn't then she'd be going after all the rest of the fucking uh, scumbags, too. Now, sort of related, let's talk about this Durham investigation. This was going all over right wing media. And this was about somebody spying on Trump and the Trump campaign. Now, I, I, kind of, I saw everybody retweeting. I sat on it because I was like, there's probably more to this. Now, what are we talking about here? He was looking at the invest. He's the special counsel who's looking into the investigation into Russia's 2016 election interference. And reports by right-wing news outlets said that a motion that he recently filed said Hillary Clinton's campaign had paid to spy on Trump White House servers. Um, so defense lawyers now for the Democratic-linked cybersecurity lawyer named Michael Sussman have accused the special counsel of including unnecessary and misleading information in filings that they say are intended to politicize the case. So Durham defended himself in a new filing on Thursday saying those accusations were not true. So what happened exactly here? Um, this is so, this is why I don't cover this shit, you guys, because it is so fucking convoluted and just like, it just, I've lost interest because Trump's not in office anymore. And the only reason this is a story is because the fucking media is obsessed with him. And it basically traces back to a pretrial motion in the case Mr. Durham has brought against Sussman, accusing him of making a false statement during a September 2016 meeting with the FBI, where he relayed concerns about possible cyber links between Trump and Russia. The Bureau later dismissed those as unfounded. Durham says Sussman falsely told the FBI officially he had no clients, but he was really there on behalf of both the Clinton campaign and a technology executive named Rodney Joff. Sussman denies ever saying that. Um, so this then implied that the Clinton campaign had paid Joff's company to spy on Trump, but the campaign had not paid his company, and the filing that Durham filed did not say he did. Um, and most, and more importantly, the coverage about purported spying on the Trump White House was premised on the idea that the White House network data involved came from when Trump was president, but Durham's filing did not say when it was from. But then lawyers for a Georgia Institute of Technology data scientist said on Monday that that data actually came from the Obama presidency. Durham did not directly address that basic factual dispute, but it sounds like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, there'll be more to come out. I'll just keep an eye on it. But I did want to put it in the podcast because I saw a lot of people like, oh, this proves it. Here's you know, it. it like most stuff around Trump, you got to really dig through the muck to find out the truth. And maybe more will come out. But I'm just telling you that was, there were some factual errors in that. I know. I know. You guys don't want to hear it. I know. I'll get more messages about that. 
Remember, guys, they're the truth. We're about the truth here. Is it true? One, there's there's two primary factors to this podcast. Number one is to be entertaining. Number two is to be informative. And then number three would be me trying to convince you that I'm right. All right, let's keep going here. Um, let's go to let's go to this one. Let's go to Missouri. A Missouri mom who thought the devil was coming to get her has been charged with decapitating her six-year-old son and her dog at her home as cops came to arrest her. Holy shit. Police were dispatched to Tasha Heff's house, a Kansas City home, after she called 911 and said she believed the devil was trying to attack her. When they arrived, the cops, they found blood on the front steps of the home and could hear a woman singing. An officer looked through a window and saw what appeared to be a decapitated head inside the house, and police then forced their way in. Wow, dude. Oh, and by the way, when she called 911, she denied having a mental illness, and then she hung up the phone. So, of course, the cops are going to come out. Jesus. These fucking chicks, dude. You know, the lockdown has really made people crazy, even more so than Trump, although he's really made people crazy as well. Okay, and speaking of Missouri, this is interesting. The Justice Department has sued Missouri over a gun rights law. Uh, So what's this all about? I know you gun nuts like to listen, so let's talk about this. Basically, the state of Missouri passed a law which discourages local officials from enforcing federal firearms measure. The law is known as the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and it is one of the most... (laughs) They write severe state gun rights bills at recent years. A provision allows citizens to sue any local police agency for $50,000 for every incident in which they can prove that their right to bear firearms was violated, provided they were not flouting state law. So the Justice Department is suing, and they are arguing that the Missouri law violates the supremacy clause of the Constitution, which prohibits states from overriding federal statutes. Uh, They don't really fucking say what statute. But they say that this law has had a harmful impact on public safety efforts within the state. Uh, So keep an eye on that one. And then uh, in other gun news, this is huge. The gunmaker Remington made a settlement with the Sandy Hook families. And this is a fucking huge story. They are going to give the Sandy Hook families $73 million over the Sandy Hook massacre. They had sued Remington, the maker of the Air 15 style weapon used in the attack at an elementary school, of course, in Newtown, Connecticut. This is believed to be the largest payout by a gun manufacturer in a mass shooting case. This is a huge. This has huge implications, you guys, to the entire firearms industry because the lawsuit worked around the federal law protecting gun companies from litigation by arguing that the manufacturer's marketing of the weapon had violated Connecticut's consumer law. They argued that Remington promoted sales of the weapon that appealed to troubled men like the killer. And, yeah, the, the they will also... 
require Remington to release thousands of pages of internal company documents. The families have said that the central aim of the lawsuit was to pry open the industry and expose it to more scrutiny. Um, uh, let me see here. Now, legal experts stress that not only have most federal gun control ex- efforts failed, but federal immunity for gun makers remains a formidable barrier to litigation. New York, like Connecticut, has adopted a consumer protection measure that could be used against gun makers. A similar bill has been introduced in California, and elected officials in other states are also considering introducing proposals that could offer this templates because the families in the Remington case say that Remington violated state law by promoting the weapon with that appeal. Um, like, like how, though? By the way, Remington is uh, bankrupt. And the Remington Outdoor Company effectively no longer exists. So this is all being handled through their insurance companies. And the only reason, and this is according to a gun executive, the only reason we still have a firearms industry anymore at all is because of the liability shield that says gun manufacturers cannot be sued by the horrible things that people do with their weapons. Because after all, the weapon is acting exactly as it was intended. That's how it was. In fact, it's not like a, it's not like you're handling and it blows up and explodes in your face and blinds you. That would be a lawsuit you could do. But you can't fucking, or you couldn't, sue a gun manufacturer for somebody buying one of your guns legally, taking it into a grocery store and mowing down 15 people. Because the gun, again, acted as it was intended to. It's the psycho behind it. Yeah, this is the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act in 2005. George W. Bush signed that legislation. He said it was necessary to safeguard gun manufacturers from frivolous lawsuits. So that has been tough. So now they're trying to work their way all around this. So this is this is a big deal. At the outset of the case the, against Remington by Sandy Hook families, legal experts said this case has little chance of succeeding. But there is an exception built into that law that allows for litigation over sales and marketing practices. Uh, oh, here's some examples how they did it, what they say was illegal. The families pointed to the way the company portrayed the AR-15 style Bushmaster rifle as a weapon of war with the use of slogans and product placement in video games that invoked combat violence. Well, so what? There was a photographed advertisement of the weapon with a slogan, quote, consider your man card reissued, end quote. And they say that specifically appealed to troubled young men like the Sandy Hook gunmen, who are they are not naming, but that would be Adam Lanza, who fucking killed 20 first graders and six adults. That is Adam Lanza, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm doubting the steel trap mind after two weeks off because it's not mentioned in the story. Remember, the media does that stupid thing now where they try not to mention the name of the killer. It's childlike to me. What else? Let's go to this one. A lot of you guys uh, liked this story and sent it to me. This is the Bitcoin fraud case. Yep. A federal judge on Monday ordered the pre-trial detention of a man charged with overseeing a sweeping scheme to launder billions of dollars of stolen Bitcoin while upholding a decision by a New York judge to release his wife pending trial. 
Yeah, this was the arrests of Ilya Lichtenstein and Heather Morgan. And this is crazy. So anonymous hackers basically infiltrated the cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex in 2016 and stole what was then $71 million in Bitcoin. So it's pretty, but they finally caught up to them. And the government moved around Bitcoin and they seized part of it as part of their investigation into these two New York City entrepreneurs. Now, the guy, the Ilya guy, he was a Russian immigrant and tech investor. His wife was kind of a goofball American businesswoman and a wannabe social media influencer. Yeah. He's 34, she was 31. So they were accused of siphoning off chunks of this stolen Bitcoin and trying to hide it in a complex network of digital wallets and internet personas. And it's funny because some of their friends were like shocked because they have these goofball online lives. Like I said, it's a wannabe media influencer. And that appeared at odds with prosecutors' description of them as sophisticated criminals with stacks of foreign currency, multiple fake identities, and dozens of encrypted devices in their Manhattan apartment. Pretty crazy. And this is just a, another kind of, it's just a black eye for crypto in general. You guys know my thoughts on crypto. I don't want to get into the whole thing. But... I'm, I, I like the idea of crypto and I have a little crypto just out of, as a social experiment more than anything. I don't see it as a real investment. And it's because of shit like this. And it's because of shit like 99% of cryptocurrency transactions are conducted by criminals or people buying and selling crypto. Remember, it's a currency. Nobody's using it to buy anything, though. And... A lot of people aren't comfortable with accepting Bitcoin because fucking who knows what, because it can, the price can, fl- it can go down 20% in a week. So who wants to take Bitcoin? Like say, you know, if Porsche was to accept Bitcoin, Porsche gets, uh, sells a $100,000 car and accepts Bitcoin, $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. Well, three days later, that Bitcoin could be worth $75,000. That's how big the fluctuations are. So a lot of people don't want to do that. Yep. And interestingly enough, a $500 Walmart gift card was the smoking gun that led to their arrests. Yeah. They were able to crack the case, the feds, and tie the couple to that missing cryptocurrency in that 2016 hack by tracking a $500 gift card after it was sent to a Russian registered email. The transaction was conducted via an IP address linked to a cloud service provider in New York that investigators were able to tie to Liechtenstein, the, um, the dude. And of course, like most dummies, she's all over social media showing herself in private jets and all that stuff. See, you guys can't do that. And just as long as we're on the subject of crypto, I thought this was funny. Remember the Let's Go Brandon crypto coin? Yep, that was a big thing. <laughs> Uh, all 330 trillion Let's Go Brandon coins now total just a few thousand dollars combined. That represents a 99.5% decline over the last 30 days. Hilarious. At the end of last year, the coin, which carries the saying, Let's Go Brandon, 
um, had received a boost. And it found itself being promoted on the hood of NASCAR driver Brandon Brown's race car. And then it became a pro-Trump thing. A group of enterprising crypto enthusiasts seized on the viral Let's Go Brandon moment by creating their own cryptocurrency. And I'm sure a bunch of fucking rubes put tens of thousands of dollars into it. And that's what I'm saying, you guys. Remember, three words for my young listeners as far as what to do with your money. Are you ready? This is going to save your life. Three words. Well-diversified portfolio. That's it. I know it's super lame because everybody wants to make a million dollars overnight by with Dogecoin or GameStop or something else stupid. Hey, you know what? If you're 20 years old and you make $100,000 a year, yeah, fucking go for it, dude. Throw all kinds of money at stupid shit. I would too. But I'm in my 40s. I've built up a nest egg and I can't afford to fucking lose it all on fucking Dogecoin or whatever, or Cum Rocket or whatever other dumb shit you have. Again, I have a little bit of crypto and I actually bought it like five years ago, so it's done very well. Do I wish now that I'd bought more? Of course. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I encourage you guys, please, you young people, buy index funds, put a lot of money in index funds, put a lot of money into blue chip stocks like. Apple, Walmart, ExxonMobil, um, IBM, stuff like that. And then, yeah, maybe 5% you can fuck around with. But you can't fucking, you could lose it all. Crypto could be banned tomorrow. I know, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to hear it already. Oh, BK, governments can't do anything. Well, yeah, they fucking can, dude. I'm so tired of hearing that. No, no, no. Crypto is way outside the government control. Oh, you think? Well, China fucking banned it. What do you think when everybody else... you think the government can't do anything? Of course they can. That's the thing. I like the idea of Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is just people believing that it's worth something. You could say the same thing about the U.S. dollar, of course, but the U.S. dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. That is, a grocery store will accept your U.S. dollars in exchange for you buying milk, bread, eggs, because they know that the government is backing that currency up. It's not true with crypto. Not yet, anyway. That's my advice to you. Uh, okay. Let's go to this one. This was fantastic, too. The Louisville mayoral candidate, Craig Greenberg, who got shot in his campaign office. You believe this shit? He and four members of his campaign team were in a morning meeting when a man walked in. He pulled out a gun, aimed it directly at Greenberg, and fired. The gunman was standing at the door as he fired his weapon multiple times. Luckily... Nobody was hurt. And again, this was fantastic because all the fucking Twitter blue checks went immediately. Oh, some MAGA guy. And I should point out that Greenberg is a Jewish man. So everybody's like, oh, some white supremacist. Well, guess what? Police officers detained and then arrested Quintez Brown, 21. <coughs> he was charged with attempted murder and four counts of wanton endangerment. Uh, shouldn't it be five counts of attempted murder? And the delicious part is that Brown is a Black Lives Matter activist who is involved in protests after city police officers killed Breonna Taylor. And he has written columns for the Courier Journal, the local paper about race and social justice. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's right. He's a woke fucking civil rights grifter kid. Fan fucking tastic, dude. 
I love it. Yeah. Oh, oh, here, here we go. His attorney. Get you know what's you know what's coming, right? You you ready for what his attorney said already? You know you guys know where I'm going with this. I hope by now. His attorney said, "Quote: This is not a hate crime. It is a mental health case." End quote. Yeah. See, he needs he's mentally ill. He's not. He knew exactly what he was doing. I don't want to fucking hear that anymore. I don't want to hear it. And dude, this guy has pictures of himself, Quintez, with Obama. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was famously on the Joy Reid show on MSNBC. Here's a clip of him at the 2018 March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C. Let's play this clip. If I've not heard this. the home state of the Senate Majority Leader. What do you want, to, what do you want him to know? Well, I want you to know that, here he is. you know... We are here, and we want, we want common-sense gun reform. And if you're not going to give us that, then we're going to get everyone out here to vote, and we're going to vote you out of office. So if you want to keep your job, yeah. then, you know, give us what we, not what we want, but what we need, what humans need. We need yeah. common-sense gun reform. Get rid of assault rifles. Come on, like... Yeah. When are you guys going to turn 18? I turn 18 September 25th. Oh, I'm already time registered. To, and already registered. Right, what about so we're registered. And you guys are making the connection that you believe that this is about being in the voting booth. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Emma Gonzalez, she already put an emphasis on it, like, because we do have some very inflexible congressmen, so maybe we won't get gun reform, like, the next day. But nonviolent direct action takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So what, one thing that we can do is get people out here voting, because even if we don't get gun reform, we're going to vote the people in office out, and yeah. we're going to vote people who want gun reform, who care about us. We're yeah. going to vote them in office. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and then the fucking gun control activist himself got a gun. No word. I have not read if it's legal or not. I've, I don't know yet. But yeah, he went out there. And by the way, he's been released. You know how much his bail was? $100,000. You fucking believe that? People get people are like in prison for like not anything violent that have like a million dollars worth of bail. He got a hundred thousand for an attempted fucking mass murder with political uh, motivations, which should make it even more serious. Yeah, and Greenberg, the victim, he said, "Well, this is he feels traumatized by this. He's like, this is uh, this is an insult." By the way, Greenberg was um. Craig Greenberg was running for Louisville City Hall. I mean, this wasn't even a national election. And Greenberg said the justice system is clearly broken. And you know what's funny is the bail fund, remember, the $100,000 came from Black Lives Matter Louisville. And guess who donated to the Black Lives Matter Louisville bail fund? That would be... Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda. So are we going to see any Washington Post reporters or any other reporters like we saw with the trucker protest to call up Lin-Manuel Miranda and ask him if he feels good about donating money to a bail account that just freed an attempted political mass murder? Anybody can do that? Fuck, of course they won't. In 2020, Miranda asked, asked his over 3 million Twitter followers to support the Louisville Community Bail Fund by donating or volunteering. And later that year, TV host Padma Lakshmi, Top Chef chick, she also amplified the group to Twitter. There you go, journalists. There's another person you can call. Yep, yeah, nobody will call them, though.
But that BLM, uh, that BLM hosted community bail fund, that was the money that was used to bail him out. So he's already out of jail. $100,000. That's all you fuck. That's the only bail for <laughs> trying to kill five people. Friggin' unacceptable, dude. All right, uh, guys, let's do a, let's do a little bit of uh, some audio here for you. Little, uh, let's call our mini political roundup. Now, here is a name that I have not, here's, here's a voice I have not heard in quite some time. Let's start with Hillary Clinton, who spoke at the New York State Democratic Convention 2022. They're still dragging her carcass around. Like, fucking get some fresh blood. I say the same thing to Republicans. For enough of these old guys. Okay, so here's Hillary, who, by the way, I, apparently she was in New York walking down the street, and, like, all the people were chanting, uh, lock her up. <laughs> That's great. Okay, here's Hillary Clinton speaking at the New York State Democratic Convention. They will do nothing to invest in our schools or make college more affordable. The Republicans. They'll ban books but do nothing about guns. They'll make it harder for people to vote, but easier for big corporations to bust unions. They'll let polluters trash our environment and let Donald Trump trash our democracy. That's why I intend to work my heart out to elect (laughs) Democrats up and down the ticket this November. Yay. All right. Yeah. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. And here is uh, Sleepy Joe. I actually thought this one was pretty pretty funny, but again, people are questioning his mental fitness, but I thought this was pretty funny. Sleepy Joe apparently used to be a county council member back when he was beginning his political career. So he decided to tell this story about a woman who called in with a complaint. Let's hear this guy. A woman said to me, obviously not of the same persuasion as I was politically, called me and said, there's a dead dog on my lawn. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, have you called the county? He said, yes, they're not here. And I said, well, I'll get them in the morning. She said, I want it removed now. I pay your salary. So I went over. I picked it up. She said, I want it out of my front yard. I put it on her doorstep. Uh, I I give people, I, I actually thought that was pretty humorous. You guys know the Texas governor race is going on. My man, Robert O'Rourke, is running. And he dragged my girl, Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez, out there to campaign for him. Here she is on stage talking about how Texas is going to turn blue. Will <laughs> the undocumented. 
Uh, she could be right. But on the other hand, we saw a historic flipping of uh, blue counties near the border to red during the uh, last uh, presidential election. So, And plus, they, they see, the Democrats, they always get in their own way. They always do stupid shit, like all this woke crap. And they get tired, and then parents get sick of it, and they throw them out of office because they always do go too far. Uh, here is a clip of Kamala Harris, or who, by the way, they're dispatching to the Ukraine, which is hilarious to me. But what the fuck is she gonna do? Anyway, she was on some stupid thing, and she was talking about high-speed internet. And it was so funny. She talks to everybody like they're children. Listen to her explaining the need for high-speed internet. And she's talking to you like you're a fucking five-year-old. So Let's I will begin to with what I believe is a simple truth. In the 21st century, high-speed internet is a necessity, not a luxury, a necessity. Our world has moved online. And that is why from day one, the president and I have fought to make it easier for everyone to access and afford high-speed internet. Today, we are celebrating a major milestone in that fight. You see, during the pandemic, millions of people, families in particular, depended on high-speed internet. Young people used the internet to access digital textbooks, attend virtual classes, and collaborate on science projects, all at their kitchen table. <laughs> Parents used the internet to uh -uh. buy groceries, paper towels, and other daily essentials. The internet allowed folks to take care of their children and get their essential needs accomplished. Business owners, like the one I met from Missouri last year, rely on the internet to coordinate with suppliers overseas. No way, really? Many workers use the internet to do their jobs virtually. Okay, I, just, I can't take it anymore. She is like so fucking lame. Uh, okay, oh, this is good too. Remember how I said um, a lot of the, the, the people put up shields, like, oh, you're a white supremacist or you're racist. Those are the two big ones. Here is newly elected New York City Mayor Eric Adams, which I don't hate him because he's actually trying to like do stuff like to reduce crime. So I don't want to beat him up too bad. Like I just saw today, uh, they're going to be aggressive on the subways and get rid of people. So that's good. And he went up to Albany, the state capital, because he wants to repeal some of these stupid woke laws they've passed that allow hundreds and thousands of criminals out on the streets, and they, they said, basically, go fuck yourself. So he's trying a little bit, but he's also a fucking Democrat, and he's going to use the race card when it suits him. So he's yelling at the media here, uh, and he says the media hates him because he's black, essentially. So We need to really stop distorting the news. You know, let me say this. And, you know, I'm not saying it out of hate. I'm saying it out of love. Of course. Me too. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. Yes. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. So? We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? Who gives a shit? How many Asians? How many East Indians? How many South Asians? Everybody talks about my government being diversified. What's the diversification in the newsrooms? Who cares? So everybody go back with their predispositions 
And my role as mayor is being interpreted through the prisms of your realities and not mine. So when you write stories, you're not writing stories for people who was almost homeless like me. You're not writing stories for people who were arrested and beat by police officers. You're not writing stories from those who are dealing with high crime. You're writing from your prisms. And I'm not saying this to attack. Okay, let me just stop him there. Eric, let me, do you want to be successful? You just, people are getting sick of this shit. It doesn't fucking matter who, what the skin color of the person who's writing a story about you is. The only thing that matters is if it's accurate or not. Stop fucking crying about it all the time. God, I'm so sick of these fucking race grifters. Just shut up, dude. I don't care about the color of your skin. And I don't care about your problems either. These civil rights activists who browbeat white libs all day long, I don't care about your problem. Let, let me back that up. That's not true. I care about the plight of anyone with different skin color as me as much as they care about the plight of me. Did you tracking on that, you guys? Yes. The plight of the black man in America. I, I think about the plight of the black man in America as much as he thinks about the plight of the white man in America. I swear to God, that's, that is 100% accurate. And I guarantee you, we both probably think about it about the same amount. What else? Um, let's go to... Oh, here you go, guys. Let's talk about TikTok. Yes, I beat them up all the time. But there was a fucking crazy story about a 15-year-old TikTok star. Did you guys read about this shit? The New York Times had a long article about it, but I got the Daily Mail version. This is TikTok star Ava Majuri. This is crazy. You know, all this chick does, all you have to do is be hot in America, I swear to God. I'm not saying she's she doesn't really she's not she's too young to be hot, but she's cute, right? She just lip syncs and makes goofy dance videos. And she's fucking making tons of money. <laughs> it's, you guys got it easy, I'm telling you. Anyway. She ended up having crazy stalkers as she grew and grew and grew. She makes about uh, $1,700 a video. But yes, her retired cop father, Rob, and her mother, Kimberly, actually told her story in the New York Times and Good Morning America about the shooting at their home in Naples, Florida last July. Because a guy named Eric Rohan, 18 years old, he traveled from Maryland to Naples with a gun at 4.30 in the morning, he blasted open the front door of their house with a shotgun. You believe for that shit? He had been trying to get her attention on TikTok for months, bought her phone number from her friends, nice friends, and had paid them for pictures of her that were not on the internet. And she herself sold him two selfies for $300, which he paid for via Venmo. <laughs> She started asking for he started asking for more explicit contact, and then uh, her dad Rob, the ex cop, got involved. He said, "Hey, remember that my daughter's a minor. Stop contacting her." She did block him at that point, but she he kept sending her money. So yeah, uh, he fucking kicked in the door, fucking uh, with the shoddy, and Rob grabbed his gun. He's a retired New Jersey City police officer. And he went to the front of the home. The kid had ran off, but then he came back. He raised the gun up on him, and the father shot him dead. And now they're defending. They're continuing on TikTok. And they made up a bunch of gibberish about, well, I just don't want to take it away from her. But the reality is they like the money. I did see one quote from her. I don't have it in front of me, but it was pretty alarming. 
She freely admits that she puts up a video at night and goes to bed and wakes up in the morning, and the first thing she's thinking about is how many likes it got. I don't think we've really grappled with how social media from a young age has changed our species, really. I don't think we have. This stuff wasn't... Because, you guys, if you're like in your 40s like I am, we lived through a seminal moment in human history, in my opinion. We were pre-internet. And now we're post-internet. That's that's huge. That's like pre and post-electricity. Pre and post-fucking-the-wheel. Pre and post-internet. And we lived through that. We were the generation, the Gen Xers out there. We lived through that. And kids are never going to live through that again for the rest of their lives. Ever. The internet is now here. It's going to stay. We have the devices. We've got the TikTok. We've got the social media and all the corresponding damage that it does to people's brains. And it's just fascinating. I think that we, of all times to live in, we lived through that crazy time. So very crazy. And you got to watch out um, for what your kids are doing on social media. Now, I have a second TikTok story. A TikTok star, I use this term star loosely, who recently made a satirical video about killing someone has been charged along with her mother and three others with the actual murder of two men who died in an alleged car chase in England last week. Mahek Bukhari, 22 years old, her mother and another one reportedly chased down and ran cousins Mohammed Hashim Ijazuddin and Saqib Hussein both 21, off the road, resulting in their deaths and tearing their car in half overnight. And people are joking about it because um, she has uh, made videos talking about how, um, you know, basically talking about how she could even tell her mom she killed someone. As a matter of fact, I have the actual TikTok in question here. Let me play this. Now, you know what? I'm just going to stop it because it's all music and not them talking. You know how TikTok is? Yeah. But the irony. Okay, uh, let's see here. Let's do this story. Oh, I had to I had to address this, and I put part of it on social media, Bravo Kilo Actual on Twitter and BK Actual on uh, Instagram. I put up an excerpt, Task and Purpose, who, if you don't know, is a military outlet. They are very woke and very left-wing, and a lot of you guys apparently didn't know that, which baffles me. All of their writers are incredibly far left. They have been for a long time. Their publisher, their chief editor used to follow me on Twitter, but then he unfollowed me because I repeatedly made fun of Task and Purpose for being all woke and lame and stupid, which they are. Anyway, they wrote an article, and this is all about the AFSOC kerfuffle, which you guys well remember, about the woman in Air Force Special Operations. They wrote an article about it, and it was all about the memo and everything else. I don't want to get into it too much, but I, two things jumped out at me. First of all, the headline. You know how they headlined it? Here's the headline. Politics and pressure are sabotaging women in special operations. <laughs> Which, no, no. Fucking generals allowing quitters to come back repeatedly is sabotaging women in special operations. That's what's sabotaging it. That was fucking dumb. And then I had to laugh at this paragraph, and I put this up on Instagram. And again, you can see, and you know this was on purpose. Here's what Task and Purpose wrote about me, yours truly. Quote, in early January, 
Instagram user BK Actual posted a letter written by an anonymous combat controller accusing the special tactics schoolhouse of giving preferential treatment to the female trainee, end quote. And I just laughed because, you know, they could have used so many things to describe me. Air Force veteran, uh, Air Force special operations veteran, para, former pararescueman, noted podcaster, um, incredibly jacked, tan, rippling, ab vein having specimen of the male species, BK. And any of those would be acceptable, you guys. And accurate, I must say. But instead, they go with Instagram user. <laughs> uh, and you know what the funny thing? Like, my tweet pointing that out got like four or 500 likes on Twitter, and their tweet of the actual story got like three. They're so pathetic. And if you're following task and purpose, you should take every time you can to make fun of them like I did. All right, guys, quickly, let's move on. God, I'm already starting to run out of time. Well, I got about a half an hour left. Let's keep going. Let's do a quick COVID update. Yeah, I know you're over it. I'm over it too. Uh, latest map and case count. Total cases, 78,196,541 in the U.S. That is a minus 68% in the 14-day change. Total reported deaths, 930,302. That is a minus 13% in the 14-day change. New coronavirus cases have declined more than 80% from their peak in mid-January. About 85,000 people with the virus, not from the virus, mind you, are hospitalized nationwide. This number has fallen by more than 30% in the last two weeks. Um, around 2,300 deaths are reported each day, a decrease of more than 10% since the start of the month. Cases are currently declining in every U.S. state. There you go. They're never going to let it go, though. As far as the live updates page, well, the big thing is states are lifting their mask mandates, finally. Uh, the ones that are including not lifting their mask mandates is uh, like Hawaii, big libs over there. But two of the last states with mandates announced Thursday that they would be dropped. New Mexico said the state would immediately lift its indoor mask mandate. Uh, and Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State said he would eliminate the state's mask mandates, but he's an idiot, and he said at the end of March. What the, just do it now. See, this is their way of being like, okay, I want to be woke, but I'm also seeing the poll numbers that everybody is sick of this and over it. Just do it now. It's ridiculous. And by the way, in California, we uh, got rid of our indoor mask mandate. Oh, and as a social experiment, just a quick interjection. So the day our mask mandate expired at 12.01 a.m. Wednesday morning. So Tuesday afternoon, I was right by a Whole Foods, which I never go to, but I wanted to get some grass-fed beef. And I had a mask in my pocket, and I stopped to look at the door because I knew the mandate was expiring that night at midnight. And it was like 5 o'clock in the p.m. So it was like in seven more hours, it's over, right? So I was, I saw that the sign on the door said, we comply with state and local mandates. So I'm like, okay, well, it's been going to be lifted in like five, seven hours. So fuck it. I'm going to go in, see what happens. I'm not going to wear a mask. So I walk into Whole Foods. As you can imagine, it is filled with people, double masked. I saw one dude with a no shit respirator and everybody in there has a mask on. If most of them doubled, except for me. 
And I got like, nobody said anything to me. Even when I cash it, nobody said shit. So credit to them. But I did get a lot of uh, glaring looks from the pale, thin women buying sprouts and such who populate the Whole Foods consumer base. I just thought that was funny. That was the only time I've never not voluntarily put a mask on going inside during a whole pandemic. I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. And nobody said anything. It's over. It's fucking over, you guys. Uh, anything else in the latest updates? Uh, we're going to ramp up vaccination assistance to 11 African countries. Apparently they can't stick needles in arms uh, properly. What's so fucking hard about it? And anything else interesting here? Japan says it will ease their border control controls, but not for tourists. They have some of the strictest border controls in the developed world. Um, they will allow more business travelers and students to enter the country. Five, starting in March, 5,000 people will be allowed to enter Japan each day, up from 3,500. And quarantine periods for many arrivals will be reduced to three days from seven. Um, the Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, said that Japan's wave of Omicron infections had begun to slow and that the country would, quote, gradually start walking towards the exit of the sixth wave, end quote. And that, of course, is a spot-on impression of the good prime minister. Uh, and also just uh, Switzerland's president, Ignacio Cassis, he tested positive for the coronavirus. So, And that's it. <laughs> that's, they're going to come very, very rapidly, the coronavirus updates now. And uh, which is good. Uh, people are over it. Now, I did want to play this clip from uh, bumbling, stumbling, corrupt, dopey Governor Gavin Newsom, who, yes, was seen maskless at the uh, NFC game. And everything. He's never been afraid of it this whole time. It was obvious from the French Laundry Dinner when the cases were just rampaging through California. And he and his buddies got together, all had a great time at probably the most expensive restaurant in the state, and he didn't care. And he was caught maskless. So here he is. Somebody asked him about the negative media coverage of his COVID-19 policies. And you'll hear him say, well, that's just a bunch of propaganda. Let's listen to platforms this. Platforms are concern, of course, and platforms have to do a better job across the spectrum. But there are also those that uh, are propaganda machines that are out there as well. Let's be candid. I don't know if you've taken any time to see InfoWars or the War Room and Steve Bannon. Spent the weekend. I watched his interview with the MyPillow guy. Um, incredibly informative. One American News, you're familiar with them down here. Perhaps one of the great disinformation networks in America. I'm not just referring to Newsmax or the primetime propaganda lineup at Fox News. And all of their pundits that safely have been boosted and fully vaxxed, that continue to promote a lot of misinformation. And forgive me for being so pointed and candid, people are quite literally losing their lives. Oh, God. It's a tragic example of that. Just yesterday, a state trooper in Washington State who quit and quit because he couldn't take it anymore, just lost his life because of those propaganda networks, because he was believing what was being stated and spread. Okay, he is such a fucking turd. Asked about his policies, what does he do? He starts yammering about InfoWars and Steve Bannon. See what they do? And he knows that the media eats that shit up because they, they like him, hate those people. And then he never talks about his policies. He never talks 
about the billion-dollar mask deal that he sent to the Chinese electric bus company. He never talks about his employment department, unemployment department who handed out $30 billion, if not more, to criminal fucking gangs. He never talks about the French Laundry. He doesn't talk about his fucking maskless face at the football game. I'm sorry that video was a little quiet. It's so fucking annoying because I, I really need to start listening to these videos. As you guys know, I don't really listen because I want to be surprised and act or react organically. Can't they fucking figure out a way to make their video their audio levels better? How hard is it? I'm a guy sitting fucking in my underwear in an apartment doing this podcast. My audio fucking levels are spot fucking on. I'm just kidding. I, for the record, I'm not. I'm not in my uh, underwear. I'm in very short silkies. The thighs got to breed. You guys should see my thighs right now. They are like they are like a young thoroughbred thighs. You can see the striations running up and down them. To deprive women of seeing my thighs by wearing long shorts is a crime, you guys. I'm telling you. You can feel the bands and the tendons and the muscle, and they're just bulging out of my legs. It's, it's, it's breathtaking. Okay, a few um, quick border update stories. Our border Uh, The Biden administration said on Thursday they would propose a regulation that some say would make it harder for future administrations to restore the Trump-era, quote, public charge, end quote, policy that allowed officials to deny permanent residency to immigrants who received or were most likely to need public benefits. Yeah, Trump tried to pass that rule that, hey, if you're a bum and you don't have any money and you're going to have to go on welfare, then you can't come. Which would seem to be phrased like that, pretty fucking common sense, but of course our border policy is so stupid that this was met with a wave of outrage, of course. So the Trump policy has not been in effect for nearly a year. So now they're saying Biden's new rule would be more resilient to potential legal challenges and harder to reverse by a new administration than the one they issued last March. Hmm. Yeah, in U.S. immigration law, the idea of public charges has historically applied to those deemed likely to primarily depend on the federal government for survival, such as through public cash assistance or institutionalized long-term care. Yeah, so... (laughs) Uh, The Trump administration had expanded the list of benefits that could make them ineligible to include needing to use Medicaid, food stamps, and subsidized housing. Okay, well, so why would we bring in poor people who we need to spend money on? That doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't expect... I wouldn't expect that from a country. If I decide to move to Mexico and I need all kinds of welfare, would I be shocked if they said, yeah, no? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, you're smart to not do that. This is so stupid. And yeah, so I'm 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 sure that we'll probably never even have a president will try to do that again. Unfortunately, now meanwhile, the latest numbers came out from illegal aliens. They had to go to court to obtain it because the federal government is lagging on providing these numbers because they're so bad. So that in January, Department of Homeland Security reported 153,941 migrant encounters. That is almost double. January of 2021, when there was 78,414, and that is more than quadruple 
of January of 2020 when there were 36,585. Oh, and they also reported, did DHS, 62,573 migrants were released into the United States just last month alone. So how many do you think have been released since fucking Joe Biden's been in office? A million? Certainly enough to change the appearance and demographics and all that stuff of a major city. That's for sure. All right. Um, let's go to this story. A TikToker has gone viral after claiming his rideshare driver was watching porn, pausing it to pick him up. And the short nine-second clip started with a TikToker in the back of the driver's car with neither of them talking. And he filmed the guy. I guess he was able to zoom in on the, the guy's phone, which, dis- which displayed the title of a pornographic work through the car's audio system. Oh, that's great. Do they have the video here? I wonder if they, you can see the title. I don't know. Newsweek is too precious to put that in. Um, let's do this. Let's go to... What is the one I wanted to do? Oh, this one is good. Meta, formerly known as Facebook, has fired their head of global community development after he appeared on video in an underage sex sting. They confirmed to TechCrunch that Jaron Miles, who had been a manager of global community development, is no longer employed after a video went viral on YouTube, which is then reposted on Reddit, featuring him in a sting operation conducted by amateurs with the intent of catching pedophiles. Now, it does not depict him caught in any sex act nor admitting to any specific sex act, but does have two people questioning him who in the course of the interrogation admits to having graphic and inappropriate communications with a 13-year-old boy. He then deleted his social profiles on everywhere, basically. And I actually do have the video in question. I have not, again, listened to this, but I did want to... I got it on Twitter. So let's... Oh, by the way, the YouTube channel is Predator Catchers Indianapolis. Let's read this. Let's hear this. So you're telling this 13-year-old boy that he makes you horny. Correct. Could be perceived as such, yes. Oh, quit the bullshit, bro. (laughs) I'm sick of your bullshit. (laughs) I won't have any restraint around you if I'm horny. What does that mean? It means I was flirting, I was talking to him. Throughout all of this, I'll let you know there was never any intention of ever meeting up with him. Okay. Bro. But you did set two meets with him. That I never intended to go to, or you set show it up, up to. correct? And I, I gave information, location, and all that stuff. Yes, I mean, how did I find like, you? It's not like I just pulled this out of my ass. It's true. You gave the, I, you gave the hotel in the hotel room. Right. So you set the meets. So you're okay with talking sexual online as long as you don't meet the children. This is the one time I've done this. Lie. Okay, so you are okay to talk sexual to 13-year-old Corey because you knew in your head that you would not meet up with him. That that was my rationale. (laughs) He asked you what you do. I am the head of global community development for Meta. That's a pretty fucking good job, right? Yes, ma'am. 
huge. Why would he sit there like, and just do this? It's so weird. Money, right? uh, what, what was the title again? Like, this isn't law I mean, enforcement. What is your official title? Manager of Community Development. And you said, make out with you, touch you, suck you. Ew! Is that what you said? I did. Said that to a 13 year old boy? I did. Oh. He said, My cousin or Uber? He said, Uber would be expensive. He said, My cousin's rich. He doesn't care. He owes me. He said, Ha ha, that would be crazy. And you're talking to this other boy. Can I see a pic of him? Why'd you want to see a pic of him? Just want to see what it looks like. Part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff. We're hoping that this 13 year old somehow got a ride here and somehow got up here. And you were going to push it. You were going to be like, Yeah, I'll come get you. Come that. You were doing that. Maybe because you're scared to get caught or something, but you were praying, hoping that this boy would show up knocking on your fucking door. Uh, okay, that's it. Goes on from there. Like, why would you sit there, dude? Like I said, these are just like community. These are these activist dudes. Like they can't keep you there, uh, bro. Just shut up, man. Oh well. Uh, let's see quickly. I'm gonna do a few uh, just quick headlines since I'm starting to run out of time. A Connecticut socialite mother of four named Hadley Palmer, 53 years old, admits inappropriately filming minors in her $10 million mansion. Wow. Yep. And other, because this is part of a plea deal and people are asking questions because other more serious child sex abuse charges have been dropped in this plea deal. She was arrested last October of felony voyeurism, felony invasion of privacy, and felony causing injury to a child. Ew. And it's only been brought to light because of that plea deal. And she's been, uh, she has begun a recommended 90-day sentence at a woman's prison in Connecticut while waiting formal sentencing. And she'll have to register as a sex offender. But a lot of the case remains unknown. And... Her file was sealed immediately, and it's because uh, these fucking people have money, these disgusting child sex predators. This was a crazy one, too. A young girl was missing since 2019 named Paisley Schultes was found alive in a secret room under a staircase. I believe this was in New York. And yeah... The parents of Paisley Schultz had abducted their daughter after losing custody of her in 2019 and then kept her hidden where her paternal grandfather lives. A tip led cops to the grandfather's home, and then a detective spotted something off about the staircase and its steps and using a flashlight saw a piece of blanket peering through the cracks. And they removed a few of the steps, and that's when they saw her little feet and the child and her abductor were discovered within. That is nuts. These parents are crazy, dude. Um, quickly, what else? Uh, Chris uh, Chris Cuomo is in the news. Chris Cuomo, formerly of CNN, who got fired. This was fucking funny because he was fired, right, because of all the bullshit he pulled with his brother. But now he is being accused of sexual assault by a former temp worker at CNN. And she didn't talk about it at the time, but she's talking about it now because of all the... Uh, she was driven. She says she was driven to come forward after watching them declare on air in March 2021 that he cared, quote, deeply and profoundly about the hashtag MeToo movement and the sexual harassment claims against his brother. So the actual incident happened back in 2011. And she claims that when she was a staffer on ABC News and Chris was on-air talent, 
He invited her to his office for lunch and career advice, but offered no food. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, fellas, bring all the... Bring all the ladies in your life, daughters, wives, girlfriends, grandmothers, mothers, bring them all over, gather around the speaker for a moment. Their Uncle BK needs to uh, tell them something really quick. All right, they all there? Now, here it is. Ladies, when an older man offers you a much younger woman career advice and suggests doing it at a meeting or in an office or anything, he doesn't give a flying fuck about your career. No, no man cares about your career. Okay? It is, like so many other things men do, 100% designed to get you alone and try to get in your pants. That's it. It's, it we've seen it with Weinstein. Seen it here with Cuomo. We've seen it with 100 other famous dudes. No man gives a flying shit about your career or wants to give you advice in any way on your career. They don't care. This reminds me, like, wasn't Charlie Rose did this, too? Remember the other news media guy? And Matt Lauer would do this shit. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I can help mentor you. <laughs> so please stop. And especially if, if you walk into the lunch and there's no food, that's when you should fucking get a clue. Anyway, after she walked in and there was no food, he then started badgering her for sex, and then he physically attacked her. And uh, he is denying this for the record, but, yeah, whatever. Uh, Amazon has suspended Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation from its charity platform, Amazon Smile. And this is following all that crap with the, uh, Black Lives Matter. They're funding. They don't know where the $60 million in donations has gone. Again, the media showed no interest in looking that, into that at all. New report came out, new research. Attractive people have better immune systems. Yeah, if you listen to this show, you've known that for years. An academic journal... Put this out. Researchers recruited 79 women and 80 men at Texas Christian University, asking them to have their photos taken and their blood tested. They were photographed from the neck up. The women were not allowed to wear makeup. And then each member had blood drawn. And then after people rated the facial attractiveness of the participants based on those photographs, they cross-examined those with the results of the blood test, and they did determine... The more attractive you are, the better your immune system is. Duh. That is why, you guys, I'm telling you all, I've been saying it from the beginning of the pandemic, jacked and tanned lifestyle. You get the 19-inch pythons going. As I said, the thoroughbred-like quadriceps are especially striking. You get all that going with the abs rippling, and you'll have no problems. You'll be able to fight off almost every disease, so get on it. What else? Quickly. Uh, I got to talk about some of the homeless stuff really quick. There were so many stories. It was incredible. I have to start with the sad story about the uh, young Asian lady, Christina Yuna Lee, who was fucking stabbed to death after a stranger walked into her house behind her at like 4.30 in the morning, and he was homeless. But again, you guys, I can't help notice... A new new story here. Christina Yuna Lee worked to fight against anti-Asian hate. And she talked a lot, according to one of her friends, about diversity and inclusion, uh, fought against racism and cultural appropriation and all this. And it, it just sucks because I can't help but think that she ignored this guy following her because he was black and she didn't want to unfairly stereotype them. 
Yeah, it's just sad, but it is a disgusting story. She'd been stabbed more than 40 times. She had returned home at 4.20 in the morning. And a dude following you into the fucking building doesn't raise your hackles. Yeah. And then a lot of you guys sent me this one. Unnamed victim in Salt Lake City. Homeless guy was been arrested after he tried to slash the throat of a good Samaritan who let him into her home to shower. 30-year-old Eric Jones was arrested. I don't, I don't know how much more I can take of this and how much I can tell you guys. Another one. Headline after headline. 70-year-old woman attacked in Long Beach while helping the homeless community by a homeless guy. It, it was so much. Uh, there were two fucking assaults in Hollywood area. A man believed to be homeless. Both attacks happened within an hour of each other. One guy, did you guys see the footage on social media? This dude tried to drag a chick into a garage to have at her. Another one. Homeless California man arrested in rape and murder of a 20-year-old autistic woman. That would be uh, Michaelo Rawls, and he was charged with murder in the death of Emma Rourke, a 20-year-old autistic woman. Um, a grandmother and her infant were attacked by a homeless man as well in... Come on, this fucking page, dude. Let's fucking go. You're too see the, the guys, the computers are too slow for me now. They're too slow. Near the Venice Boardwalk. Very good. And Venice the Venice Boardwalk, if you didn't know, has been doing this fucking uh basically I've covered them for a long a number of years now. They basically don't want to have any restrictions on the homeless whatsoever. Although they're lame city councilman who's been super into the homeless has now said he's going to not run for office anymore. That's a so that's a huge improvement and a very very good thing. But yeah, it happened in Venice. A grandmother and an infant. He attempted to steal the 9-month-old baby. <laughs> yeah, just never ends. I went to Google homeless this morning and there was like a list of like 50 things that all happened within the last week. Here's another one. Sacramento mom attacked by a homeless man at McKinley Park. Right in the middle of the day. And she had her kids. While she was buckling her children in, 24-year-old Christian Glazer, who was a homeless man, pushed the woman and punched her several times in the face and head. Yeah, you'll still vote for the same people, so whatever. Uh, what else? Ex-U.S. Marine who is 68 years old, was sentenced to 210 years in a federal prison for drugging and raping at least eight girls as young as nine when he moved to teach English in Cambodia. Sus. That is 60-year-old Michael Pepe. Yep. Be aware of any man who goes to Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, that area of the world by himself. Snoop Dogg. Yes, fresh after performing at the Super Bowl. Uh, he is defending himself against a woman who claims he sexually assaulted her. The accuser alleges he and his associate, Bishop Don Juan, sexually assaulted her in 2013 when she was working as a dancer. He is denying the entire thing, says this nonsense, that she just wants money, blah, 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 the usual. But she says that she was assaulted by both men after accepting a ride home from one of them following a Snoop concert. 
She said she went inside to sleep. She was invited to sleep at Campbell's home because she was exhausted, but woke up at 4 a.m. when Campbell had, quote, removed his penis from his pants and repeatedly shoved his penis into her mouth, end quote. <laughs> oh, man. The plaintiff then stated she went into the bathroom when Snoop allegedly walked in, quote, standing with his crotch in her face while she was defecating on the toilet. He then, end quote, oh, he then allegedly closed the door and forced her to perform oral sex on him while she's pooping? After a few minutes, defendant Snoop Dogg withdrew his penis from plaintiff's mouth, visibly unsatisfied with plaintiff's reluctance and disgust of being forced to engage in oral sex, end quote, alleged the suit. <coughs> and then quickly, another uh, rapper news. A woman is suing for $20 million. She is suing Trey Songs, the rapper. She's accusing him of anal rape. He says completely bullshit and um, none of it's true. So this happened at a house party. Trey Songs, the rapper, invited her upstairs for what she believed would be consensual sex. Instead, she claims Trey repeatedly asked her if he could, quote, get that ass, end quote. <laughs> she said no. Then he threw her to the ground and forced his penis into her anus without her consent. Oh, come on, guys. This is breaking this morning. Uh, Kim Potter. Who is Kim Potter? She is the incompetent police officer who fatally shot Dante Wright in Minneapolis during that traffic stop. That's the chick who drew her gun instead of her taser. I was breaking this morning. She's been sentenced to two years in prison. And that is far less, by the way, than the standard of about seven years for manslaughter after a judge said leniency was warranted because the officer had meant to fire a taser, not her gun. Uh, yeah, I think she should get more time, not less time for that, because that's just gross incompetence. I, I often take the side of law enforcement. You just can't have this. I think she should have gotten uh, the entire... The entire time, personally. And that doesn't mean that Dante Wright is a good person. Obviously, he wasn't. He had a warrant out for his arrest for aggravated armed robbery, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I think she should have gotten more than that. Former NFL star Adrian Peterson was arrested after domestic violence at LAX after attacking his wife on a taxing Houston-bound flight. The fight was so bad it forced the jet back to the gate. Uh, Adrian Peterson, by the way, has uh, two children with his wife, Ashley Brown, and six other children with six different women. Hmm. Boy, he better play. He better keep playing. He's got to pay for all that shit. Um, a royal police military corporal breaks down in tears as he is thrown out of the army for sexually assaulting a female soldier by putting his penis on her shoulder. 30-year-old Corporal Edward Gad asked the women for sex, but she turned him down. He then put his penis on her shoulder while he was trying to bargain for other sex acts. Yeah, I'm not sure how, that, how well that's going to really go for you there. A driver with found with bomb-making materials at San Diego Naval Air Station right here in California, right here in SD. This is NASNY, the North Island uh, Naval Air Station. Yeah, it had to close its gates while he entered with bomb-making materials. Did they say exactly what the materials were? No, they haven't said. It was probably like just construction shit. Maybe the guy forgot he had. I don't know. 
a man accused of stalking and masturbating outside of Berkeley school identified as a school employee. <laughs> this is the actual act happened last month, but they're just putting out that he's been identified as a district employee. Yes, this is Berkeley as in Berkeley, California, Berkeley university and all that. Yeah. He was seen masturbating outside a Berkeley elementary school. Gross. And he was driving around doing it too. The suspect is 61 years old. Oh, this is nice. Police said officers found hunting style knife, gloves, duct tape, and a bundle of zip ties inside his vehicle. Ew. That's nasty. They don't name him in the update, unfortunately. Uh, a woman has been cured of HIV using a novel treatment. This is the third person ever to be actually cured from HIV. They used a new transplant method involving umbilical cord blood. Cord blood is more widely available than the adult stem cells used in the bone marrow transplants that cured the previous two patients, and it does not need to be matched as closely to the recipient. All right, very good. The United States has temporarily banned avocados from Mexico, citing a threat to one of our inspectors down there. Yeah. The suspension will remain in place as long as necessary to ensure the appropriate actions are being taken. In the United States, by the way, 80% of the avocados consumed come from Mexico. Luckily, I live here in San Diego, and I can get delicious San Diego-grown avocados myself, which is excellent. Um, any Anything I have left on for you? Well, uh, let me play a few quick videos before we sign off here and let's start with this one a new I pronoun i primarily go by e m or z zem pronouns but i'm comfortable being referred to using any neo pronouns that are not z here and a little bit about who i am i am a white transmasculine femme non-binary disabled neurodivergent obsessive compulsive chronically ill unitarian universalist <laughs> raised jewish non-monogamous demi-low-romantic gray demi-bisexual survivor of acute and complex trauma millennial and cat parent in mental health recovery very good. Do you enjoy penis or do you not enjoy penis is my only question for you with your bizarre handles. And then a lot of you sent me this video as well. This is a huge obese woman, and I'm just going to play the audio. Huge obese. This is a huge service woman. announcement for all of my ladies out there. This summer, we will not be putting up with unappreciative men in our lives. So I just got this set, and I look good as hell. Well, I sent a photo to a man, and his response was, that's a nice color on you. <laughs> no, we will not be putting up with that. I just blessed you with my beauty. And that's your response? No, you take a fire photo, send it to me, send it to your friends. We will be way more appreciative of it than any cis hat man out there. Know your worth, lady. Oh my God, she's wearing a very tiny bikini and her just jiggles and it's just very gross. Well, you know, just quick, you know, I mentioned Bond, a Virginia father, 49, charged with the murder of his four-year-old son whose body had been stuffed in a freezer for over two years, has been freed on a $50,000 bond. <laughs> what is going on? These people, fucking child murderers, accused mass murderers are getting fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 bonds? What the... Some of the guys who walked around the Capitol were like, had like million dollar bonds on them. Our justice system is fucking absurd, dude. A uh, man who sexted nuns as old as 84 years old in Australia. 
um, over two and a half years, has avoided jail. Martin Thomas Bothwell sent lewd texts and phone calls, including, yes, penis pictures, and made vile officers vile offers to sisters at five convents. He would tell them that, quote, God has blessed me with very large genitalia, end quote, and breathed heavily. <laughs> anyway, they caught up to him. First, they told him just not to do it, and he kept doing it, but somehow he's not going to um, go to prison. And guys, that's going to do it for most of the news. Of course, we have the big finish. And here we go. It's a pretty good one. Here's the headline. This is coming from where? Michigan, the Florida of the North. Here we go. Headline, quote, driver killed Van Buren County woman to engage in sex acts with her body, investigators say, end quote. (laughs) Dude, this guy's 29. He's a decent, he looks totally decent, like good face, good hair, looks pretty fit. But yes, they say that fucking 29-year-old... Are you kidding? This is, right, this is written horribly, you guys. Okay, here we go. 29-year-old Colby Martin. That's his name. He was arraigned on an open murder connection to the death of Melody Rohr in Van Buren County. They initially charged him with manslaughter with an automobile, failure to stop the scene of a crash, and concealing a body in September of 21. 2021. Roar was on a walk when she was struck by a car and killed near the Oak Shores campground outside of uh, Decatur, Decatur, September 20th, 2021. Martin then moved her body to a wooded area in St. Joseph County. Her husband reported her missing after the retired nurse did not return home from her daily walk. Well, Martin led them, the police, to her body the day after she was reported missing. Martin's cell phone search history showed he searched for pornography involving dead or unconscious women immediately after she was reported missing. And then, yes, sadly, detectives also said Martin's DNA and her DNA were linked to condoms recovered in Martin's vehicle and a trash can near his home. Oh, God. Oh, yes, he has been arraigned. Evidence shows that Martin intentionally struck the woman, took her body, and then engaged in sexual acts with the body. Fucking gross. Guys, that was a fucking... You know what? Now I need another week off. That's all I got. There goes the iPad. Guys, you appreciate the podcast as much as I do please consider going to patreon.com search for BK actual help me keep the podcast going January and February is also a slow time for um, new patrons. So if you listen to the podcast, enjoy it. Now is the time guys. Don't wait another week. Quit being a strap hanger, please. The podcast has been blowing up. If I can get the Patreon to blow up along with it, that'd be awesome. Please go to patreon.com. Look for BK actual, just pledge a buck or two. Think about all this entertainment news you're getting. I really appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter for breaking news at Bravo Kilo Actual and Instagram at BK Actual. Guys, that's all I got for you, and I'll see you next week.